does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Oh, what's going on, everybody? I'm Brian No. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Man, what a day of college hoops yesterday. Huh, Jimbo? Anybody call you Jimbo in real life? Would I be the first one? Uh, first time in a long time for going the radio route, but uh, but no, <laughs> don't get Jimbo as much, but I'm, I'm willing to rep it. Uh, indeed, it was a fascinating night of college hoops, save for that UConn-Arkansas game. Ooh. was on the edge of my seat uh, for most of the night. When did Jimbo, when did you outgrow that? Was that around age 10? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, that's one okay. that, like, you know, it's it's in middle school. It's easy. It's fun. And then, like, you know, just kind of went away probably towards back end, of, back end of middle school. I just, I want to do a comparison here in a minute between UCLA's heartbreaker and Indiana, the way that they lost. But I just, while I'm, it's still top of mind from the intro right there, the call from Brian Anderson saying cash money from Michael Forrest plays for Florida Atlantic. That would be my text tone. Anytime anybody texted me, <laughs> it would be cash money from Michael Forrest. And I'd be like, Oh, who's texting me? Oh, it's mom. Oh, it's dad. Oh, it's my buddy. It's what, like, do you personalize your text tones over there? Do you have a boring iPhone, Jimmy? What do you have? Well, so first off you can customize your, text tones and ringtones for your iPhone if you know how to do it. It's probably not as easy as the Android, but I, I, I probably, or Samsung or whatever it is, I'm willing to make that sacrifice that I have to deal with a green text bubble like I've had to deal with with you for the last three weeks, my friend. <laughs> that is so funny. All my iPhone friends, they hate me because they have to deal with the sinister green bubble. That is just first world problems defined right Can there. Can I take you know? us behind the curtain for a second? Because I wasn't going to bring this up, but since uh-huh. we're here, yep. I'm going to do it. What kind of laptop is your choice of laptop? It is. It's a MacBook Okay, real Pro. quick, because a follow-up to that, because I'm not trying to back you in a corner, so I want to let you respond. Uh-huh. I was going to make a joke before it went on the air, because behind the curtain here, we like to do some planning while we're on the mic, and traditionally, I will use a iMessage thread, and that way, mm-hmm. if someone's using the laptop, boom, it just pops up up there, but instead... Because you have the green bubble, we take it a step further and we go Facebook Messenger and we have to get all that set up so that we can utilize it that way, which again is fine. But if you were on the dark side, as I'm sure you view it, one less step we'd have to worry about in our show prep. You know, here's the deal. I'll tell you real fast because I want to get to uh, UCLA and Indiana. Yeah. But um, while we're talking about Android versus iPhone and all that, I am I'm an enigma. Jimbo, that's really what it yeah. comes down to. I'm an enigma. I love Apple computers. I've used a MacBook Pro for a long time, but I I tried out an iPhone, and I'll never forget. My sister was like, "I don't think you're gonna like it." And I was like, "What do you mean? I love <laughs> Apple computers. Why would I not like an iPhone?" She's like, "It's just very boring. It's just very simplistic. It's just here are your apps. There are no widgets. You can't really personalize it too much." She's like, I don't know if you're going to like it. Sure enough, I freaking hated it. I tried it out for a week straight. I tried to update all the bells and whistles, tried to get it as much like an Android as I could. I couldn't do it. I went to the phone store. True story, Jimmy. I went to the phone store because I'm used to having personalized yep. either ringtones, text tones. And this was years ago. I don't know how much different it is now for an iPhone. 
it was an obnoxious process. I couldn't even tell you, tell it to you. I have it in my notes somewhere. All it was like step by step. You had to do like seven, eight things to create a text tone. I'm like, this is ridiculous, man. So no, Team Android till I die. Much like most of your takes, I respect the consistency. I respect the the facts that you brought to the table there. Um, but it doesn't annoy me any less having to deal with the green <laughs> green text bubble. You know what's funny is. This was an ongoing thing. I hosted a show in Portland for a couple of years, and uh, this was an ongoing thing. You know, Team Android, Team iPhone. And we did, you'd like this, Jimmy, NBA players, it's almost universally iPhone. Because you'll see it when they tweet. It'll be like, sent from my iPhone, yada, yada. Yep. And so we looked at a number of NBA players, and there were like two dudes that we found that used droids. It was Robin Lopez, and I can't remember the other guy, but everybody else was just Team iPhone, Team iPhone, all across the board pretty much in the NBA. Yeah, that tracks. If you would have told me that one of the Lopez brothers, known for their havoc and chaos they love to create, <laughs> would be the androids, I, w- I would have totally been on board with that oh man that's funny i'm brian though he's jimmy cook it's 93.5 and 107.5 the fan okay so ucla lost a heartbreaker last night to gonzaga and it got me thinking which way if you have to pick okay which way would you rather lose and we're just looking at one game we're not looking at ucla getting a step further than indiana did right indiana was trying to get to the sweet 16 Yet UCLA lose in the Sweet 16. We're not talking about different stages, just the game itself. So if you didn't watch the Gonzaga UCLA game, the way it ended was Gonzaga was sitting pretty. Jimmy, they had an eight point lead with a minute left. Yep. And then all of a sudden, Amari Bailey of UCLA, he hits a three with about 13 seconds left. UCLA had the lead. Again, UCLA trailed by eight. With a minute to go, they had a lead with 13 seconds to play. And then Julian Strother, just a ridiculous three-pointer, well beyond NBA range, gives Gonzaga the lead with seven seconds left. Gonzaga goes on to win the game. So just heartbreak city for UCLA. Looked like they weren't going to challenge for the win. Down by eight with a minute to go. Next thing you know, you're like, we're sitting pretty. We might win this thing. And then nope. You won't need this heart. Yank, stomp on it, and your season is done. Would you rather, if you have to pick, Jimmy, would you rather lose the way IU did, getting beaten decisively, or Heartbreak City with UCLA? Yeah, don't give me hope. I'll take the blow up. Yeah, don't. No, I, I, I don't want. I don't want the false hope that oh, we might actually steal. The, no, I'll take the blowout. I'll sit there in it. I'll watch till the end, and I'm like, oh, that was was not great. There, there was no chance for us in that game whatsoever, and I'll deal with the second guessing of, man, maybe this team isn't where they need to be versus the, oh, my goodness, we have a shot to move on. Oh, we have the lead. No, we don't have the lead anymore. Oh, no, the game is over, and we're going home, and now the tears are back. No, I'll take the blowout every time. I, You know what? I go the other way on this okay. one, and this isn't just a swim upstream. I, I will agree with you in the immediate aftermath. Okay, it's much worse what happened to UCLA than it is what happened to Indiana, the way both of those teams lost. But if you get beyond just the initial gut punch, I I would rather be in the game. I would rather be close instead of getting dusted. I hate blowouts. It's just like you weren't even competitive, really. And I also think going forward is – 
I'm not going to say this does wonders for your recruiting, right? Because I, I don't know that it really does play into that. But it's just the, the vibe that you have. Just this sort of, hey, we were close. You know, we're not that far away. Like, the mind games that you have to play, like the mental battle. I think if you're UCLA, you look at this, and granted it's a little bit different than Indiana. UCLA had two of their top players injured, right? So you think about that and say, we lost on pretty close to a a buzzer beater, at least a a go-ahead shot in the final 10 seconds. We were right there, and we were without two of our top players. I think that helps you go into the next season a little bit more seamlessly and with a little bit more swag, some more confidence. I know these rosters are going to change a lot. Some of the guys are going to be gone with Indiana and UCLA, respectively. Right? It's not going to be the same rosters, but I think just getting that confidence and getting that belief, UCLA, the way they lost, I think they have more confidence going into next season than Indiana does. A couple things, because I, I don't disagree with a lot of what you said from the player's perspective of things, even though to your point about roster turnover, it's a tough example there for both UCLA and Indiana because they're both going to have so much roster turnover. Tiger Campbell's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, Hawke is going to be gone. Like This was a conversation that would have been stronger in UCLA's camp the year they lost to Gonzaga in 2021 when it was here, when they lost on the Suggs buzzer beater because a lot of that core was still going to come back. But your larger point about just any given sports situation, it will, in theory, help better a team or better their prospectus as they're getting into the next season if they're close than on a blowout. I don't disagree with that, but I want to see if you're as consistent on this as I am with my side, which is Uh that as a fan, I'd rather have the blowout. I've told you that already. As a better I would also rather have the blow because I had money on UCLA last night and I was comfortable. You know what? Missed it. Like I I, I missed it. Like what everybody said was right. The fatigue, the injuries, it all caught up with UCLA. Gonzaga made great adjustments in the second half. Everything that all the people said was right. Finally hit a wall. And then the walls busted open and there was a lead. And I'm like, this thing is cashing. And then take it away. Heart is ripped out. The bet is lost, and I'm in a puddle of just uh, what what just happened. I, I would rather what? have the blowout on the betting side as well. I I'm going to agree with you on the betting side because it's just easier yeah. to cope with it in the Indiana game. If you had Indiana, which you know, I did <laughs> many times did. over, <laughs> you knew with a lot of time remaining, yep. it just wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And with UCLA, UCLA didn't make a field goal. Like 12 minutes? Insane. Did it reach 12? I knew it was over 11. Yeah, it was right around there. It was right around there. So over 11 minutes, they didn't hit one field goal. Like, they can't make a shot. They're down by eight with a minute to go. So you, Jimmy, as a better, you're kind of like resigned to this isn't going to work out. And then they give you false hope. Then they go on a run. They force a turnover. They're hitting threes. We're like back. We're yes. back, man. We got a lead. And only for Strother, the shot he took was like, no, don't take that shot. You're down by one. I was thrilled. Swish. I was thrilled. I'm like, yes, this is going to go back iron, rebound, or going on. No, it's right down the bottom. Wow. I'll tell you what, man. As a better, I agree with you because – a lot of times you bet on teams that you don't care about. I know you care deeply about your Indiana Hoosiers, but you don't care about UCLA basketball. Yeah. 
Yeah. You don't care about their confidence going into next season nah. or having a close loss. You just care about your bankroll. Correct. So, yeah, yeah, as a better, I would. I would rather have the blowout than the close loss. But as a fan, it's a different conversation because look at it this way. You mentioned it, Jimmy. The rosters are going to change. If you're Jalen hood Shafino, if you're – well, he might have been back. Whoever's coming back for <laughs> sure. Indiana, you come back. Think about it. If you're like, man uh, – Trace Jackson Davis is gone. Jalen Hood Shafina was gone. We got freaking rolled by Miami. As a college kid, that's yeah. probably not on your mind. But I'm just saying, there's a little bit more of a hurdle of we, we got to get this thing right. Like, we, you don't have that same confidence heading into offseason workouts and all of that. I think the way UCLA does. So I liken it to a fight, Jimmy. If we get into a fist fight, you and me, I don't want you to just dominate me. You know, I, I want to win, obviously, but I, I if it's one way to lose or the other, I'd rather it be a, a narrow loss. I'd rather Sam Fritz, who's with us today as our producer, say, you don't know, no, you were holding your own right there. And I thought at the very end you had the lead. And then it was just I'd say Jimmy on points just barely got there. I'd rather it be that than man, Jimmy just whooped no. You know, <laughs> I don't want that with my teams going down. Look, I bring this up relatively frequently when I'm on the show, and no one cares about it, so I'll be brief. Uh, Prima Holmes, there's a lot of scar tissue being a Chiefs fan, finding every way to lose. They talk about franchises like that, the Browns, the oh, Cubs. Yeah. I mean, obviously Cubs 1-16, and 16, but you know what I mean. There are those teams out there where they always are inventing new ways to lose, and some of them have been in the most heartbreaking fashion. The easiest ones were the ones where they got slaughtered. Like, just they mm. were, because it's like, you know what? Maybe we did dream too big. Maybe we don't belong on the same stage. Maybe we're further away than we thought. And I will say, I would rather, and you could, I want your take on this too. I think an ownership group is more likely to react knee jerkily or aggressively if you get to a stage and you get trounced because uh-huh. it's an eye opener of, wow, we're really not there. We need to be aggressive this offseason. Maybe they feel mm. the same way after a buzzer beating loss, but. I, w- I don't want a false hope of, wow, we're really close. We don't need to spend that money, much money this offseason. We're right there. Maybe just a player or two versus, no, we need to empty out the Brinks truck. This is obviously going more pro than it is college level, but just kind of where I see it anyway. I hear you if you bring in pros to the mix. We're just talking about which way, right. if you have to pick, would you rather lose? Right. We're comparing UCLA, the way they barely lost to Gonzaga last night, compared to IU, right. the way they got dusted by Miami. So, Jimmy, if you take it the pro route, yeah, I mean, look, it could go any which way. If you have a, let's say, a close playoff loss, let's use Buffalo. Let's use the Bills or the Bengals losing to your Chiefs, right? I think the Bengals... They're going to look at it and say, man, we're close. You know, Let's go out there and get Orlando Brown Jr. Let's make it happen here. We're in go-for-it mode. I think you're prone to be more aggressive, yeah. being razor close. And look, I don't know that you're not aggressive if you get dusted. You still might be aggressive. I do like that you used knee-jerkily. I do like that. Thank you. <laughs> you can steal that if you like. I'll let you have that. That was very well done. I, you know what? If we just... Go down memory lane for a second, because it does tie to the Colts here with your Chiefs heartbreakers, Ooh, Jimmy. Many you talk of about them. Many inventing of them. ways to lose. One of them in the you know the Colts division, at least against the Titans. How about Mariota, still the quarterback? Mm. Passes deflected. Mm. He catches it and scores a touchdown by diving for the pilot. I, I've never seen that before. Yeah, me neither. 
Me neither. Haven't seen it since, by the way. Yeah. Haven't even seen it since. Yeah. And what was it? Was it? I know with the Colts, how did it work where Andrew Luck, did he fumble the snap? Or was it a botched handoff? He picked it up and just dove in for yeah, a touchdown? Yeah, it, it was basically a fumbled snap, I believe, and it bounced directly to him. And they were like the five, and he supermaned into the end zone. And <laughs> Yeah, that was not a great day either. There's a lot of tough, tough Colts Chiefs memories in the memory bank. Yeah, unbelievable, yeah. though. Kind of interesting when you bring it back to college, how you respond to a close loss or a blowout. I mean, you're still going to recruit like crazy. You're still going to look at the transfer portal. I don't know that it does too much about how you try to construct your roster going forward. I think it's just more of a confidence thing. I think it's one of those where if you get in a similar situation, like next season's tournament, if Indiana is trailing by five early on, the guys that were there this past season, they might grip a little bit tighter. You know what I'm saying, Jimmy? Right. Like It's just one of those mental hurdles that you might have to jump over. So I think it sets you up for more success going forward if you have just a a heartbreaker like that. I'm team heartbreaker, unless I'm betting. (laughs) That's what I'm telling you over here. Yeah, I again, I just, from the fan, from the better standpoint, I'd rather just it be a a pretty clear and obvious death, like from onset or from like the second half on, which is what happened to Indiana, than a false glimmer of hope like – you know, uh, Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football. I, I don't I don't I don't want to take it away from me like that. I just don't. By the way, at one o'clock, Frank Isola, you see him on ESPN's Around the Horn, BTI, host of the starting lineup on Sirius XM NBA radio, does an awesome job. We'll have Frank Isola at one. Also, Kevin Bowen, our guy one, KB at two o'clock. One thirty. One thirty. What is it with me in times? <laughs> I mean, in your defense. You're not, a, you're not, you're obviously you're, you're remote today when you don't have a board in front of you. So, and it does, I just like, I'm like, let me see if Jimmy wrote this right on the text. Yep. He did. He did. It's one It's right. I there, respect right? the play of looking to see if I'm the one that, uh, that, <laughs> that screwed you over. See if a scapegoat. I respect that. It's nice. <laughs> I knew everything. Other, I swear I read one. I put nope, Eastern. Nope. I put Eastern down there so that everybody knows. Like I've had that happen in the past with guests where it's like, oh, I thought you said Central. Let me know. No, you said yeah, I did. I know because you're in a different time zone and I want you to make sure we're on the same page. I'm the worst, <laughs> man. I'm the worst with times. It's funny, too, because I was just at a sports radio conference and uh, one of these guys, Bruce Gilbert, he's been around a long time. Did a great job. Uh, he hired Colin Cowherd, one of these like program directors, managers, and he made a great point, Jimmy. He was like, "When you're, you want to set a time. You don't just say, hey, Frank Isola later on the show today.' He said, and he likened it to meeting someone for lunch. You want to just say, "Hey, man, you want to go to lunch? Yeah, sure. Uh, later on today." You know, you'd be like, what time, man? So you set an occasion. It makes a lot of sense. So I set an occasion at the wrong time is what I did with Frank Isola right there. I mean, in that instance, you're just going to be ready a half hour early. So you're extra, you you're extra prepared. Yeah. It, that's not a bad game plan. Yeah. You know, sometimes the lunch rush, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, you have your buddy waited out and you just walk in you got a table waiting for you brian i got i got us i got us a booth right here right by the window we're good oh really yeah oh thanks cool yeah where you been what do you mean i've been here since since one. Oh, <laughs> bad <laughs> um while we're talking college hoops though really an interesting game last night for drew timmy scores 36 points breaks an ncaa tournament record it was his 10th 20 point game but he missed two clutch free throws. 
<laughs> he missed two clutch free throws, and it didn't come back to bite him because Strother bailed him out. Really an interesting game from Timmy last night. This continues to be a story that I, I didn't think would be on the top of our radar when the season started. And as the season went on, Aaron Torres brought up an interesting point that maybe Gonzaga has been talked about nationally just as much as they usually are, but I've missed it. But there were close games and a couple of early losses in conference for them that mm-hmm. kind of made me take them off my radar to where I thought, you know what? Maybe this is a down year for the Zags. They're not getting as much pub. They obviously end up winning their conference and they end up being a three seed in the tournament, which says all you need to know about what Mark Few and the Bulldogs do. They can have a perceived bad year in my eyes and they're still a three seed by the committee. And now here they are, Drew Timmy's last shot at it. And of all the Zags teams, because I felt like that team with Suggs was arguably their best one. Of all the Zags teams, this is the team that might actually break through and cut down the nets here in two weeks. I wouldn't have predicted to start the year, but it would be a fitting full circle ending for Mark Few and for, even though his career is not going to end, but for Mark Few and for Drew Timmy, if this is the team that actually gets it done. Yeah, it's funny to me because you could apply this to all sports at different levels is you hear this about Gonzaga. This isn't their best team that they've had in the last mm-hmm. few years. But sometimes your your non-best team ends up winning a championship. We'll see if it happens for Gonzaga or not. A lot of work left to be done. But it's just funny when you think about that. When the Steelers won that Super Bowl, and I hate to bring up bad memories for the Colts fans here, is you know when Jerome Bettis fumbled near the goal line and and you remember that game where, you Roethlisberger know, making Big a tackle. Ben, yep, 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 yep. Nick Harper and all that. But that wasn't their best team in a number of years. And they ended up winning the Super Bowl. They were a wild card team. I think they were a six seed. I have to go back and verify that. But there have been many teams in the NFL, college football, college basketball, where this wasn't our best team in the last three, four years. But that was the team that won a championship. I love how it works out like that sometimes. It's just, it's the beauty of sports, and they're now going to have a matchup against UConn on Saturday. I Look, this is not a brag by any means, because like anybody, my bracket is in tatters. <laughs> but one region that I'm actually stabilized in is this or is this West region, rather. I have West. UConn and Gonzaga in the Elite Eight. I have, I have UConn beating them to get to the Final Four. But outside of that, it's been... Pretty pretty tatters for me. I do still have three of the four Final Four teams. But the larger point, though, is that like go. that that's just as long as you have the right culture and the right coaching staff in there with high level talent like those Steelers did with Coach Cower and Big Ben, like Mark Few being just the ever present foundational piece to Gonzaga and their dominance and their building from the ground up. That's what they say, right? Keep hitting the glass ceiling. Eventually, you're going to break through it. I wouldn't have pegged this team, like I said, but the opportunity for there, the pieces are there in terms of the way they play, particularly on the defensive end, and it's shaping up for what's going to be a great evening session to those Saturday games to punch a ticket to the Final Four. Yeah, and I think, look, like you just said right there, keep punching the glass ceiling. I think there is something to be said for that where I just I flash back to the Bulls. You know, think about the Chicago Bulls where mm-hmm. they play the Pistons, they lose in five. They play, This is like the Jordan-era Bulls. They play the Pistons next year in six and lose, then in seven and lose, and they finally punch through. And that can be applied to 
other sports or other levels, I think some of that can hold true. It's a little bit different in March Madness because it's such a revolving door of talent and roster makeup, and we get all of that. But some of it does carry out where if you look at Gonzaga, they've had a number of players that are not on this year's roster that contributed greatly. You mentioned Jalen Suggs. But you get close, you get close, you keep making momentum strides, and then you break through. So, yeah, circling back to the original conversation, I'd rather have my heart broken. I'd rather <laughs> have my heart broken because you're making momentum. Okay, um, I've got um, maybe a new drop here. Uh, a drop is just a little short thing like this. <laughs> I love that one. That is Lorenzo Cain's son. So Lorenzo Cain, like an outfielder in MLB, and his son said that one time. Or let's try this. You might like this. L-O-B. I love that from Richard Sherman. L-O-B for the Legion of Boom. <laughs> might have a new drop, Jimmy. Replace my most popular drop that I use here on the fan. Mm. And I'm not a fan of it. I'm not a fan of it. You might be, but we'll get to that and what the heck that whole conversation is about right around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know, our guy Sam Fritz is with us today. Sam, uh, what would be your musical background? I just need to know because it, it might it might transfer into, like, the bump-back music. I'm just curious over here. It, it absolutely does. Uh, alternative rock is top of the top of the list. I do listen to a little bit of everything. Surprisingly, after alt-rock, I'd say bluegrass kind of takes second place. A little bluegrass action. Yeah. Okay. How many times do you bump back with bluegrass? You know, I'd, I'd have to say that if I were to bump back with my favorite bluegrass jam, I might get called into an office and said, Hey, buddy, <laughs> how about you don't do that again? Can we try it? Just I'm not trying to get you in trouble. Can we just try it at some point today just to see how it feels, how it works? If you give me your word on the airwaves right now that you will take the fall for any punishment yes. I may receive, I will do yeah. it. I can't make that promise. Brian I will absolutely to, back you, Sammy. I will take the fall. It was my idea. You ever see the uh, the footage? of? It was funny. Uh, this goes back to when Brett Favre was with the Packers and he made the wrong read or the wrong throw or did something stupid. And Andy Reid, who was still on the staff, he went to Mike Holmgren. He was like, it was my fault. I sent in the wrong thing. Yeah, just, and they, 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 then Holmgren walks away, and he's bright red and completely angry. And Favre just has this smirk of like a five-year-old kid. Like, <laughs> wow, I kind of got away with one. Thanks, Andy. Like, I will be your Andy Reid in that situation as you are Favre and being erratic, throwing rocket balls and playing bluegrass here, Sam. I'm on board, sure. I mean, you know, Jimmy's already washed his hands of this. Yeah, I'm doing what I can. So it's really just between you and I who gets in trouble. And I'm keeping my phone out, waiting to see if I'm going to get a text from any authority saying, who might be listening in right now, saying, don't (laughs) Don't you dare. Don't Don't you dare. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jimmy, well, you know this uh, this drop about Mm -hmm. uh, one Bryce Young. He's just undersized. He's a smurf. Mm -hmm. How about this one? Should this replace it? Bryce Young is still QB1. (laughs) that's that's from espn's todd mcshay talking about one bryce young bryce young is still qb1 wow i don't know man what do you think if we had a vote where are you casting your vote there jimmy okay so a couple things like i assume that's him going through his mock and saying that he's top of the board for him 
with quarterbacks, correct? That is that, that is that is what that basically translates to. As far says, as yeah, like as far as class. prospects, yes. he's saying he's QB one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, I would, I would, I do. I love for that to be utilized, but for two reasons: one, I don't think it's as funny in hindsight, and two, <laughs> I think the Panthers are going to take CJ Stroud. So by definition. He won't be QB1 in the eyes of the NFL because Uh I don't think he's going to be the first one taken off the board. Well, let's hear Todd McShay's full spiel. This was on on SportsCenter last night, and they were live at Bryce Young's Pro Day yesterday. So the Alabama quarterback does his Pro Day. You had Todd McShay and Lewis Riddick throwing their two cents. This is what Todd McShay said about the Pro Day of one Bryce Young. Just watching the throwing session for for Bryce, I thought the anticipation, the timing, leading receivers, yep. and let's face it, there was no Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba yeah. here catching balls, and there were some some overthrows because receivers weren't able to run under it, and there were some drop passes that we didn't see in the Ohio State Pro Day. But to me, yes, if you're dropped on this planet and you're just evaluating the two Pro Days, C.J. Stroud's your pick. But if you're evaluating the whole big picture and realizing that the pro day is probably the least important aspect of the scouting a quarterback and also that Bryce Young, what he brings to the table in terms of his spatial awareness, the ability to get outside the pocket, extend and things that he couldn't show today in a pro day. And C.J. Stroud was built for that. Yes, C.J. Stroud is, is likely to be the number one overall pick. Vegas is saying that right now. But for me, Bryce Young is still QB1. Oof. The drop the mic moment at the end right there. Have I watched too much Sports Center? if I could picture in my head the highlights that were being shown <laughs> underneath that impromptu probably. beat that would just end it abruptly because you know the highlight package was over? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I was thinking about the music. I'm like, you know, when we were doing the UCLA-Indiana, if you had to pick which way would you rather lose segment, yep. To have the music underneath, you know, I don't know. Maybe it would have brought it to life a little bit more. It could have, and then Sam is working hard to put together and splice together UCLA highlights to be briefly underneath that music <laughs> so that it looks nice on the YouTube channel. Yeah, look, I mean, this goes back to our original conversation yesterday, and the Colts aren't in this position because they made the choice not to trade up. They feel like there's not a ton of separation. They feel like you would assume they can get their guy at four. All right, we all know that. But we also made the jokes and serious comments yesterday that – Pro days are always going to be puff pieces. Uh, They're always going to be just opportunities to shine. Be like, oh, look at me. I'm great. I can throw it when no one's playing defense. I'm not interested. And maybe McShay is. I am not interested in getting into a debate of whose pro day looked better or whose pro day looked worse. <laughs> like that. Like I agree with his larger point. There's a whole body of work to really get your answer of yep. what your pick should be. You mentioned it yesterday. If they have a horrific pro day, like all of a sudden it looks like we're back in Space Jam and his talent has been taken away. All right, maybe you have to write something off there and be like, eh, he could be a bust. Let's not take him. Otherwise, Sit back, enjoy it, do your dap up like Josh McCown did with C.J. Stroud, and let's let's be done with it. Yeah, and McShay did he did throw it in there where he said, "Pro day, it's the least important aspect of QB analysis." I'm glad that he he kind of shoehorned that in there, and he's like, "But if you are one of these simple-minded people that's just <laughs> going off the pro day stuff, like yeah, C.J. Stroud had a more impressive pro day than Bryce Young, but I do like how he he's very nice." You know, he's very nice how he says it. He's not like, if you're one of these morons that puts more stock into a pro day than you should, he's like, you know, there's more to it than just a pro day. But if you're going off that that sort of thing, then then yeah, Stroud, he was more impressive. So. I mean, he's delicate, right? He's he, yeah. he's very, very kind and, and considerate with how he tells you, not you, but the general 
people he was attacking there of the moronic takes that they're having in terms of valuing a pro day. Very kind. Very kind. Very nice. He did it with a smile on his face. The coach you, re- you want to cut you from the team. You know, yeah. the one you have. Hey, listen, it's just it's not really you. Just the, it's the positioning of our roster right now. We got to kind of let you go. But, but we wish you all the best moving forward. You know what we should do sometime on the show, Jimmy, is we should have the the East Coast translator. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Like whatever you want to go, Philly, New York, whatever, East Coast, where we're translating in a more direct fashion what these sort of nice comments really mean. Yeah. yeah I think we could have some fun with that. There's no doubt. You could take that from the entirety of the the useless sound that is gathered from a post-game presser in the NFL. There's plenty yeah. of little nuggets that are well PR crafted that when one person, like, hey, you know, he played really well. You know, their their defense physical. But in reality, no, we're we're gonna take these guys out. Like they're they're. <laughs> I've seen their corner on film. Like I get separation from him on the first step, and it's over. Yeah, we we could do that for sure. I like it. I'm writing it down. I can hear the voice guy, East Coast translator, and then we have the the nice sound bite, and we break it down what they're really saying. I like that. Yeah. we're we're making bits on the fly over here. Love it. Um, you have Lewis Riddick. He was there at Bryce Young's Pro Day. Listen to what he had to say about Bryce Young. Well, it's unmistakable why he's considered one of the best quarterback prospects in this year's draft, if not the very best quarterback in this year's draft, because of the fluidity with which he moves, how easy he plays the position, how natural the ball comes out of his hand, how much charisma he has when they're interacting with his teammates. And quite honestly, like the family he comes from, speaking to his father, you just understand that this guy is just very well-grounded. And no matter what organization takes him, whether it be Carolina, whether it be Houston, they're getting a young man who understands what it means to be a professional and be able to hit the ground running right out of the gate. Yeah, I agree. Okay, now here's the thing, Jimmy. A couple of things. First off, my mind goes straight to the the dumb stuff, you know? Lewis Riddick had a bit more of a reggaeton flavor with his music, you know? Yes. McShay was a little bit more, it's just kind of like standard rap-ish, kind of hip-hop-ish. We're going to have to listen for a second here. Just to get to the music, okay, the music aspect of it, which music underneath do you like more? Here's a little bit of Lewis Riddick. It's not the very best quarterback in this year's draft because of the fluidity between Okay, right? Like a little bit of just kind of reggaeton is what I would say. I hear more reggaeton there. Here's McShay's music. And let's face it, there was no Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba here catching. I like the symbols in McShay's music over there a little bit more, too. Yeah, I'd go Team McShay. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Uh, I don't have a problem with Riddick's analysis there. (laughs) Only thing I would point to, though, is that, like, that whole charisma thing and, oh. and make your teammates feel great. How's yep. that going to be when you're at the bottom of the division and you're struggling to tread water in the NFC South? And in theory, should be a winnable division. And maybe I shouldn't go that far because the Panthers, like, they were a game or two away. You're hopeful that with a quarterback, maybe you take that leap to, you know, an extra win to be eight and nine like the Buccaneers were and still in the postseason. So we'll take a step further. Where's that charisma and happiness when you're getting blown out by 30 in Super Wild Card Weekend? Where's that going to be at? It's funny that your antenna went up, you know, right? Like it was raised. That's what... I, that's the only thing I cut out of that whole spiel from uh, Lewis Riddick is this. How much charisma he has when they're interacting with his teammates. <laughs> what? How much charisma he has interacting with his teammates. I mean, look, you could say that's important. You could say he's got to stay cool under fire. He's just got 
sort of a, I don't know, like a team building aspect to it. Like, that is important, but it just sounded funny, right? Like, it, yeah. It's like he's he's cool, to, like while interacting with his teammates. I don't know, man. I think it's one of these deals where before the draft, there are certain quarterbacks where it is just one positive thing after another. It's all oh, the charisma with his teammates and the way he interacted with them. It, you know, it's the fluidity, it's the throwing motion. It's oh my gosh, it it's almost all positive with Bryce Young. I've heard very little that's critical. And then with Will Levis, it's like, (laughs) if you didn't watch any football and you just went off of the mainstream opinion, you'd be like, Bryce Young is maybe the next Drew Brees, and Will Levis is going to suck in the NFL. If you didn't watch him play one down and just went off the mainstream analysis, that's what you would think. I think that locally, and maybe within the pulse of the Colts fan base, right or wrong, and we talked about this last Friday, that there is a lot of animosity and a lot of anyone but Levis type mentality within the fan base. But I didn't know you were going to sprinkle that in because I agree with most of what you said nationally. Maybe it's just I'm reading into it a little closer this year because the Colts need a quarterback. Mm -hmm. It feels like everybody's getting buttered up of these four. Like, like, Like probably more so with Stroud and Young. I won't disagree with that. But like I'm not seeing a ton of negatives other than like they did a segment earlier today on Sports Center of strengths and weaknesses and decision making is the one that everybody points to with Levis. But like I, I just feel like as a whole, maybe more so than years past, every quarterback is presented as a golden ticket in some way, maybe some brighter than others, though. I will agree with you there. Yeah, it's funny. If you do a quick mainstream opinion of each quarterback, I haven't heard much negativity or criticism of CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. I would agree. I've heard a lot of criticism about Will Levis. And with Anthony Richardson, it's like a yeah, but syndrome, right? There are some people who are like, look at the ability, look at the tools, look at his arm strength or right. Like it, what he's able to do athletically. And then there's, yeah, but he's completing like 53% of his passes and uh, he's only played 13 games. You know, like there's a yeah, but factor with Anthony Richardson, but it's, it's split. And I think it's a little more on the positive side with Anthony Richardson. So it's just funny. It's just funny. I think the most interesting thing is how the top three, uh, well, the first three that I mentioned, Stroud and young, very little negativity, Levis negativity city. <laughs> it's just yeah, I mean, how it goes. I mean, it is. I can't argue that because I've seen it, right? I have seen yeah. that Levis is definitely the one they point to more and they clean it up a little bit more when they're referring to Richardson to your overall point. Like it, it's referenced as the accuracy is not great, but massive project with high upside, maybe the highest yeah. upside of anybody in the draft at that position is the phrasing that is used to describe him. I mean, th- that is worn on me a little bit to the point that like on the one hand I feel like it's unfair to Levis because there were times particularly if you go back to his junior year where it felt like man this guy has the potential to be not only a first round talent but maybe a starting caliber QB in this league and then for whatever reason last year whether it was well, you've mentioned a time or two Brian is, is the lack of pieces around him whether mm-hmm. he wasn't 100% healthy like anything you want to point to there are question marks there but I view them both still as a project where if you have the right system around them, they're either going to get fixed or they didn't really have a future in the league to begin with. Like yeah. that, that's really where we're at with both those guys in my mind. And it's a bed the Colts have made for themselves. If you're in the camp of, 
which they are, we don't see a ton of separation. We don't feel the need to trade up. We think we can get our guy at four that we want. We'll get back to the quarterbacks at the top of the hour, right around the corner. Get ready for more rugby. We'll tell you what that means coming up. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Jimmy, it is alive. That would be the QB push sneak, right? Where you get behind think about Jalen Hurts, the Eagles quarterback, where he's under center and he, he takes the ball and then he has like his fullback and his tight end and his slot receiver. <laughs> I'll push him from behind. And it's just a rugby coach scrum. Out there. Yep, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. You've got Sirianni out there from time to time. <laughs> you know, then you have the OC out there. The rugby scrum remains. So this was unchallenged by the NFL competition committee. And what's also interesting is multiple teams listed the sneak play as a top three most important issue. It's a competition committee survey that teams submit to the league office following the Super Bowl. So multiple teams listed it as a top three most important issue, yet it wasn't even challenged by the competition committee. Why are we doing a survey <laughs> if they're just like, eh, all these teams think it should be uh, changed. Eh, we're not even going to challenge it. Maybe That's they weird. told the ownership groups they'd get a free $25 gift card to Target if they filled it out. And so like, they didn't really think anything of it. They just wanted the gift card, and now it's like, oh, why, why didn't my feedback get taken into account for challenges towards the rules? Well, we gave you the gift card. I mean, what, what more did you want? Yeah, I don't know. It's really weird to have that whole feedback thing, and you have uh, new Broncos head coach Sean Payton coming out like, oh, if they don't change this rule, we're going to run this all the time next year. Now we're going to see if his money, now his money's where his mouth is, if he's going to deliver on that, because I thought for certain they would at least have a conversation about it with the amount of initial push in the media there was following the Super Bowl. The fact that nothing came of it is is a little surprising to me. You know, we've got a little bit more to add on that subject because there's a Colts aspect to this rule change uh, or this rule remaining and being unchanged. So we'll get to that. And also another chapter in a really strange book, some details on a big story that just continues to get bigger. That's on the way as well. I'm Brian. No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I don't know. I just feel like clapping over here, Sam Fritz. Are you kidding me? This is great bump back music. Brian No and Jimmy Cook with you here on The Fan today. You agree, Jimbo? Yeah! I feel like just getting up and dancing around over here. I feel like I'm at Will Levis's Pro Day. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if Will Levis just had like a a big piece of straw hanging out? It would be wonderful. Just went for it. Yeah. I like that. Hey, at 1.30 Eastern Standard Time, Frank Isola does a great job on ESPN. You hear him on the starting lineup, Sirius XM, NBA Radio. How'd I do on that, Jimmy? Beautiful. The emphasis was great. It was was impeccable. Props to you. Cheers to you. Very nice. Very nice. Next bluegrass tune in the jukebox on me. Got you. Beautiful. All right, so we've got QBs on the brain over here. And a couple of stories do uh, circle back to the Colts. One would be about Lamar Jackson. Now, Jimmy, both you and I, I think we're on the same page. We're not anticipating Lamar ending up with the Indianapolis Colts. But 
I don't know how it's going to shake out exactly with his contract situation with the Ravens. Does another team make a power play for the guy? And another interesting turn in this whole saga is that the NFL, they warned every team to only negotiate with Lamar Jackson. They sent out a memo, and it said there's an uncertified person over here by the name of Ken Francis. He might be on America's Most Wanted list here pretty soon. But old Ken Francis, Kenny, might be contacting teams on Lamar's behalf. And so the NFL goes to Kembe Mutombo. They go, no, 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 NFL team. You only negotiate with Lamar because Lamar doesn't have an agent. You got to negotiate with Lamar, not Kenny Francis, not Bobby Francis, not Jimmy Cook, not anybody, just Lamar. So it's really interesting the NFL threw that out there. I doubt it just fell from the heavens. Just a, hey, by the way, just in case this might be the case. No, I, I think there's something going on. And we saw an example of this, Jimmy. We saw Roquan Smith when he was with the Bears. There was a guy that was calling teams on his behalf trying to make a deal for Roquan getting traded. So this thing has happened before. And I could see it happening again. I don't think it just came from nowhere. The whole thing is weird. Like every turn when I think that, okay, this is going to settle down and either the Ravens are going to match an offer sheet or Lamar is going to find a team and they'll get the compensation of the two first round draft picks. Everything will be fine. It's yet to just put a head on the pillow and go to sleep. It continues to be new twist after new twist after new twist. At first, I thought maybe this Francis gentleman was in no way associated with Uh, Lamar Jackson but then like later during the afternoon yesterday Lamar tweets out about how there's like this portable gym that the two of them have been working on that's going to be coming out like for people to purchase later this summer or later this year so the whole thing is just odd like there's no way that like if I'm in that situation and I'm friends with a let's just put this in this scenario friends with a top tier talent that happens to not have an agent there's no way I am making a call on his behalf without talking to him like in no point would I feel like I have the relationship you know what I'm gonna do for Lamar I'm gonna handle this for him I'm gonna make some calls for him so either he asked him to do it and because he's not officially licensed as an agent or not officially registered as Lamar's agent however that works either it was a consensual conversation between the two of them or somebody's lying right it is strange no matter how you slice it if you play the what if game I like the what-if scenario you brought up. Can you imagine if one of Lamar's, whatever, friends slash business partner, someone in the inner circle, without Lamar saying, hey, contact this team, just does it on his own. Like Kenny Francis just like, ah, call up the Dolphins and see what's shaking over there. And Lamar knew nothing about it. I find that hard to believe, but that is a funny what-if scenario there. It'd be like if if we're going, like, let's just go for the sake of argument, into like the Batman route. It'd be like if if the Joker had, you know, his 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 uh different just business partners or 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 just fellow villains and someone's like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna make I'm gonna make him happy. I'm gonna do this for him. I know exactly how to get it done for him. And it blows back up in his face. Like, I didn't ask you to do this. Why are you doing this? Like it 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 makes no sense that he would go ahead and try to negotiate on his behalf without a conversation being had in some regard with Lamar Jackson. And on top of that, Lamar says, uh, tweeted out that, you know, quote, stop lying. That man never tried to negotiate for me. Okay, that's fine. 
Mm-hmm. The NFL is not making that name up out of thin air. No. They're not just suddenly putting out here, oh, hey, this guy tried to negotiate with us. He didn't, though. We're actually lying. Like, that that didn't happen. So it, there's way more to this story than we're getting right now. Yeah, it's a, it's a sketchy deal. Even the other what-if scenario is, could you see a scenario where Lamar says, this whole agent thing, not having one, I mean, there are multiple teams to deal with, trying to get an offer. She, if that's even what he's going for, right. right? Like, there's a lot on his plate. Could I see a scenario where someone in the inner circle just says, hey, Lamar, why, why don't you let me dial up a team or two? And Lamar's like, fine, man, do it. Yeah, could I see something like that? Sure. All I know is this. Whatever the case actually is, we could play the what-if game till we're blue in the face. Whatever the actual scenario is, all I'm saying is this didn't just come from the sky. Like, yeah. this came from the NFL having intel that this might have been going on and probably was going on. This is bad for the NFL because of the way it looks. Like, there's enough conversation about collusion and NFL team owners conspiring with one another to, like, keep the price tag down in Lamar or uh, any other quarterback doesn't get a Deshaun Watson fully guaranteed contract. There's enough noise about that out there. The NFL isn't stupid. They know how this is going to be perceived and how it might land where here we go. Another example of the NFL just hating on poor old unfortunate Lamar for no good reason. That's the way it's going to land for many people. And it's still out there. You know what I mean? So that in my mind makes it more likely that something like this did happen because the NFL knows it's not going to land great for them because it's going to make news. And there are some people who are going to be like, you know, this just doesn't smell right what's going on with Lamar and the NFL over here. So I don't think it came from nowhere. There continues to be a battle across the board in all walks of life in today's society on optics. And once something is out there, whether true or not, how much it impacts the rest of society's perception on a given topic. And in this instance, while you and I are in the boat that there's not, in my mind, active collusion by the rest of the league no. like on text threads and stuff, I will say, I think if you anonymously polled all the owners, nobody wants to give that contract that Sean Watson got. No. I do believe the yes. Browns went rogue, and individually, they don't want to have to pay that kind of money. But I don't think that it is a like massive, just organized effort. Like that, there's a threat of emails or or texts of owners being like, "Hey, I'm not signing that guy. You're not signing this guy, right?" Like I, I right. don't buy in that deep. But there are people out there that think that way. And yeah. when you add another wrinkle into this, it continues to put up. Well, if this is smoke, then the rest of it must be fire. And Lamar Jackson is is being. Uh, colluded against by the rest of the NFL. Like this is a, I'm with you. It's a bad look from an optic standpoint. And the longer this drags out, like this is just the first ripple of real confusion in this process. Who is to say more not going to follow? Yeah. I think the whole thing is just painfully stupid. I really do. From this standpoint of the talk about collusion and conspiring against players and all of that. It's like, look, man, we're using the wrong quarterback to make this argument. If you're saying it's collusion and conspiring and all that, Lamar Jackson, I'm not going to tell you that he stinks or it clearly is not the case, 
But should he be getting a fully guaranteed contract north of $230 million? Hell no. And there are facts to back that up. This guy has missed 10 of the past 22 games for the Ravens. He's been banged up. His injuries have ruined back-to-back seasons. And then you look at the last two years, 33 touchdowns, 20 picks. That's not anywhere near an MVP level. You got to be playing at an MVP level to be the next guy who gets the fully guaranteed deal when that hasn't worked out for the Cleveland Browns. If this is Mahomes and he says, rip up my old contract, it's obnoxious that Deshaun Watson has a fully guaranteed deal. I've got two MVPs, I've got two Super Bowl rings. I should have a fully guaranteed deal. If you've got teams just looking at the floor, led by the Chiefs, like I don't, I don't, we, I don't know, we can't, uh, we don't want Mahomes, we don't want to do that. Like, okay, fine, talk about collusion and conspiring and all of that, but not for Lamar, who's been banged up and regressing in terms of his production and doesn't even have an agent on top of it. Like, it is just a poorly constructed argument for a poor source to make that. To make that leap, it just it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, it's very tough for me. If we were in a boat where, like, I think Lamar, for instance, I know that you love your Dolphins. Like, I think Lamar would fit very well in Miami. I think that the lack of weapons, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, have been ever-present in Baltimore since he's been there. Like, I, I just I feel like they've done a disservice to him at times. But it's a double-sided coin. The games that he's missed have been adding up to a point where it's like this organization is clearly in a shell of itself when he's not out there. And then he elevates them to a point where, okay, maybe they're a playoff contender, but he has taken you. It looks like as far as he can go. And you look at that as a team that needs a quarterback and you look at your roster, take the Colts, for example, I look up and down this roster. I don't see a drastic improvement from what is there in Baltimore. And because of that, I'm hesitant to give up both the money and the draft capital because I'm in the same boat Baltimore is, only I'm the one that now is on the hook for this big contract. I'm the one that's on the hook for where our franchise didn't go because I invested all this money in a quarterback that has shown if you're not able to upgrade around him, there's a finish line to that story at the end of every season. I think another interesting angle on this is a fully guaranteed deal for Lamar isn't the worst thing ever for the league. You know what I mean? Like, think about it like this. The Browns gave Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed contract. Like, look at what's happened around the Browns. Like, the Ravens are dealing with just a mess right now. How much do they offer Lamar? He wants fully guaranteed. Like, yada, 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 yada. It's like chaos right now with the Ravens. That's good for the Browns. You know what I mean? So, this idea that... If the Ravens gave another guaranteed contract where it's like all quarterbacks are getting fully guaranteed contracts, you've got to be one of the top guys to get that. It's not like Daniel Jones of the Giants is going to get a fully guaranteed contract, you know? So I just think it's interesting where we're only looking at it from the standpoint of if they give another guaranteed contract, oh, man, they don't want to do that because it sets a precedent. Not every quarterback in the NFL is going to get a fully guaranteed deal. And 
if the Ravens gave a fully guaranteed deal to to Lamar, I don't think that's the right move. But if it makes negotiations harder for, say, the Bengals and Joe Burrow, or that benefits the Ravens. You know what I mean? So it's right. not all bad if you were to shell out the next fully guaranteed contract. No, not not every piece of it is bad. I, I will say, though, from the, the team standpoint, again, I'm generally, and I've made this clear at times, I'm generally pro-player. Like, I, I don't feel bad for, for the billionaire owners across all of professional sports. Like, I don't. I'm, I'm generally going to go to the side of the player. It does irk me a little bit. I know the guaranteed money was way different than what Lamar is asking for. It does irk me a bit that a quarterback that I feel like is a step down in Daniel Jones to Lamar Jackson was able to pretty much seamlessly demand what he wanted to demand. Different things. He was demanding different things. That bothered me a little bit that that was able to get done so seamlessly, not so much in Baltimore. But the key caveat, and I'm willing to acknowledge that, is they were asking for different things. Far more oh. guaranteed money was being asked on Lamar's side versus what Daniel Jones was getting, which is a, a higher annual evaluation, but not as much guaranteed. <laughs> it's just funny to me because it'd be like Lamar Jackson and Daniel Jones both seeking a new car, okay? And Daniel Jones, relatively speaking, secured a new Nissan Altima. And Lamar Jackson hasn't secured his 2023 top of the line Testarossa. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, and then you're like, all right, Daniel Jones has a car over it. Yeah, he has a Nissan Altima. I'm not talking trash about Nissan Altimas. That's what I drive, you know? But it's not a Ferrari over it. So $82 million that Daniel Jones got guaranteed. It's so much different than what Lamar is seeking. He's seeking 230-plus fully guaranteed. So it is. The comparison is just obnoxious to me between Daniel Jones and Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's a great analogy. Like, I'm not going to dispute that. There, there, There is apples and oranges between what they are asking. But at least we got so much more publicly between the Giants and Daniel Jones negotiations than we really have with Lamar. There's been a couple rumblings of what, three years, 180 million or 140 million, whatever it was. Outside of that, it seems like both sides are at an impasse where there's no willingness to meet in the middle by either side. And that frustrates me. But then you look at how it's played out in free agency for him. There's been no reported phone calls, none. Like no one is picking up that phone. And it's not because Lamar Jackson isn't an otherworldly talent. It is that, Perhaps he's being evaluated in such a way that they don't want to pay what would likely be Joe Burrow money someday or Deshaun Watson money right now or Patrick Mahomes money. They don't want to do that because they've seen how he's developed around a Ravens team that has yet to be cap strong really with him. And you're going to be cap strong if you bring him in, which is why I've been so anti Lamar to the Colts in this whole process. By the way, one real quick layer at the end of this, if you're setting the betting line, I have, haven't seen this. I have no idea. I would imagine something is out there. If you're setting the betting lines, it's uh, Jimmy Cook's sports book over here, you know? The the likelihood that, or the odds that Lamar is back with the Ravens or the odds that Lamar is with another team, the Colts, anybody in the NFL, what do you think you would set those odds at, Jimmy Cook? Odds, I'm sorry, one more time. You clarify that for me? Odds for... <laughs> I apologize. We're, we're, we actually have Frank now, so let's hold, let's hold the question for, for just a second. We're, we're balancing a couple hats here. Okay, well, last Frank. Let's welcome in Frank Isola. 
You see him on ESPN's Around the Horn, PTI, host of the starting lineup on Sirius XM NBA Radio, joining us here on The Fan. Frank, we were just talking about uh, Lamar Jackson. If you are setting the odds, what would the odds be in your mind that he's back with the Ravens? What would you set the odds that he's with any of the other 31 teams this next year? Uh, I still think it's going to be the Ravens. You know, if you look at what the Ravens have done in their history, you know they won a Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer as their quarterback. Joe Flacco was better than Trent Dilfer, better than both those guys. It's all about their defense. That's still the best place for him. It's a great organization. I understand he's a little upset with the way things went down. And no offense, a lot of times, even if your family members representing you, that sometimes that doesn't work out. You know, there's a famous thing here in New York with Mark Messier, uh, the New York Ranger hockey player who helped after over 40 years. And he's obviously now a couple of years after the Stanley Cup, he was renegotiating his contract and it was dad and his brother doing the negotiating. And you know how it gets. You know, when you, when you guys are renegotiating your big deals, you get your agent there and the, the powers that be may say things that aren't so flattering when it's a relative, they're going to take it personally. When it's the agent, they don't take it personally. It's like Michael Corleone. They think it's not personal. It's just business, and I think when when you're dealing with that much money, and you're Lamar Jackson, and you're trying to leverage yourself, and the agent could leverage other clients, I think he made a big mistake. I think that's kind of I think that's one of the reasons he's in the situation he's in right now. Frank, where do you land on the whole Ken Francis name drop that popped into our lexicon yesterday? A, a new wrinkle into all this? Is it is it just a, another element to it or is there something more chaotic going on in this ongoing process to figure out where Lamar ends up? It is, you know, that definitely sounds more like a union thing because the guy isn't a, uh, you know, certified agent, which apparently you have to take, you have to pay like 2,500 bucks and you take a two day class or a two hour class, whatever the case may be. And then you become an agent. So it's not that difficult. Again, I think that, Everyone believes, well, it's Lamar Jackson. I, I can negotiate his contract for him. I think, I think that's a mistake that he's making. I think you're looking at so much money. I think sometimes players say, well, I don't want to give my money. I don't want to give X amount to one of my uh, to an agent. I'd rather give it to my buddy. I guess he and Ken Francis are in, are in business together. It has something to do with gym equipment. I think it just it speaks more to the, the mess that Lamar Jackson, I think, has put himself in. Uh, you know, he, he should go out. He should get a real agent suck it up and go get a massive contract that I'm sure he believes he's earned. The one thing that nobody brings up about Lamar Jackson where they don't bring it up enough, you know, the guy did get hurt last December. It was early December. He never practiced again, much less played. You know, so he does take a lot of hits. And I look at these quarterbacks, whether it's him, whether it's Josh Allen, uh, you know, look at Justin Fields on uh, on the Bears. You want to run all the time. It looks great. But that eventually gets to you. Now, there's, there's a reason why running backs come and go in the NFL. You're a quarterback. You're taking big hits. It's, it's, hey, Tom Brady didn't last until he was 25 years old. He was running the football. That's, and, and you guys know about Peyton Manning. He didn't last that long. He's Frank Isola joining us here on The Fan. Let's turn to March Madness here, Frank, where you think about some of these big moments. Last night you saw Marquise Noel from – from Kansas State. He's a New York City native doing his thing in the garden, has 19 assists. That's a tournament record. You think about the the go-ahead three from Gonzaga in the final 10 seconds. You could go back to Furman in the go-ahead shot against Virginia. I, I think about one shining moment at the end of the tournament. Thus far, what would you put at the top of the list, your favorite moment of the tournament? Uh, that, that, that's a really good that, – that, that's a really good – 
know, locally, I did like FDU winning. I think the shot last night by Gonzaga, which made that shot, that doesn't mean that they're not going to grab the rebound and perhaps get another chance at it. But they did look dead out of the water. You know, they had they were down big, then they're up big late, and it looked like they were going to just spit the thing away. And then, you know, the kid, uh, Strother, hits the huge shot. How about Drew Ki- uh, Kimmy at the line, or Timmy, at the free throw line? He looked like that was the last place on earth he wanted to be in that moment. He grabbed the ball from the referee. I don't think I've ever seen a free throw go from a referee's hands to the rim that quickly. He just grabbed it and shot it. It was like the ball was ticking. He, he, wanted, he wanted no part of it. But that, that was a great moment. And then, you know, you know, New York City really have, hasn't produced that many players maybe over the last 20 years that are in the NBA and are big-time players. But Noel last night, I mean, that was an incredible performance. A guy his size reminded me a little bit of Michael Adams. Maybe I'm uh, dating myself. Khalid Al-Amin, who was at um, UConn and won a national championship there. Undersized guard, but, man, what, what a giant heart he has. Coming back after he sprained the ankle, making – in the pass that he had, he jumper late was huge. He, his shot at the end of regulation and his shot at the end of over. You, you know, you, you're not Steph Curry. Why are you trying to shoot from that far away? Mm-hmm. All 19 assists. That's uh, that's uh, that's pretty impressive. Frank, I want to shift to the NBA for a second. I know they probably haven't been top of mind throughout the year outside of the, the play of Tyrese Halliburton, but when we look at the Pacers locally, the at least the local pulse is that they're still a player or two away and they're battling within uh, a spot potentially for the play-in. I want to know your thoughts on just what you've seen from them at all this year. If you agree with the sentiment, they're probably a player away from, from being a, a truly competitive team. And then the impact the play-in tournament has had on teams that maybe otherwise might not be going full tilt uh, towards the end of the season to try to get into one of these spots and if you think it's benefited the league. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously terrific coach and a GM. Pritchard. And the key is, you know, do you have a star that you can build around? They certainly have that in Halliburton. You know, it's one of those rare trades where it seems like both teams benefited. Sabonis goes to Sacramento. Look what they've done. Halliburton, when he's healthy, has been really good. They made a great pick with Matherin, who's, who's tremendous. Look for a while to the end of the year. Can't, I don't think he's, he's going to win that anymore. But I, I think Indiana's in a terrific spot. They, they know what they're doing there, and they, and they got the right coach to figure it out. As for the play-in, I, I don't like it from this standpoint. Because, uh, you know, there'll be a good game in the play Everyone will say, well, think about how we got here. You get there by players kind of thinking, well, I don't really have to. If, if you're stuck in 7th, 8th, ninth, or 10th, you finish there, you can kind of load manage your way into the play-in tournament. That, that part I don't like. If anything, why not just do something where the 8 and the 9 play each other, and whoever wins that, also gets the higher lottery or the higher draft pick. Do something. Make make it an. Hmm. Well, I you like only that. Have Thirty teams, and you already had, um, you know, half more than half the league making it to begin with. Now we're going to have twenty, twenty of the thirty teams. What are we playing the regular season for? It's, it it seems a bit much. Frank Isola joining us here on the fan. How about it's March twenty fourth, Frank? It's a tough question, but. What would be your best guess as to what the NBA Finals matchup is going to be? Yeah, that one is tough. Like in the East, I think it'll be one of those three teams, uh, mm-hmm. Milwaukee, Boston, or Philadelphia. If Milwaukee is healthy, you know, Drew Holiday's become such a, a, a big player for them. It'll be one of those three. The West is tough to figure out because, you know, 
Denver's got the best record, and Jokic is having another MVP season. But, you know, you look at uh, Guy Murray, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., how are they going to respond in a big moment? We don't really know. Like on the road, maybe you're up one, you know, 35 seconds to go in the game. Is one of them going to take like a crazy shot? We don't know that until they go through it. So, uh, you know, the one thing about the Phoenix Suns, they have Kevin Durant. And, you know, I do the net games on the Yes Network. And when Kevin Durant plays, the guy is, you know, I'm not breaking new ground here. The guy's phenomenal. He does everything the right way. He plays hard. He tries to hold his teammates accountable. He takes big shots. He's unselfish. The big thing is he's always hurt them. And he's been hurt a lot, you know, starting with the when he, in the 2019 NBA Finals. I still think they could be a dangerous team, even if they're not going to get a lot of uh, time to be together. Because, you know, you're going to have to guard. You're going to have to put your best defender on Kevin Durant. And that means your second best defender is going to be on Devin Booker, who's pretty darn good. So I, I still have a little bit more faith in uh, in the Phoenix Suns. I know a lot of people believe in the Warriors. Look at that road record. I mean, it's embarrassing yeah. how, how yeah. bad they've been on the road. I, I think last year was a bit of a fluke. Them winning, I think a lot of things broke their way. I don't think that's going to happen this year. Frank, do you have a lean one way or the other, the position the Colts have themselves in with the fourth pick? They're likely going to be either – Right with Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, depending on how the board falls. Have you looked at that, and do you have a lean one or the other on those two prospects? You know, it, it, it's such a hard thing. It's so much, you know, and there's a reason why the Carolina Panthers sent 11 people, including the owner and his wife, to go watch um, a, a workout the day with C.J. Stroud because it means, you know, it's so important to have a quarterback for, for the uh, Colts. You know, here in New York with the Jets, and I grew up a Jet fan, you know, the Jets won the Super Bowl with Joe Namath, and he has more interceptions than touched over his career. You know, the Colts have had – you had Peyton Manning, and you had uh, Andrew Luck, who I get it, retired kind of early. But you guys have had a pretty good run of quarterback. So, you know, I don't care how it works out for the Colts. So hopefully they pick the right guy. But teams like, you know, look at the Packers. They went from Brett Favre yep. to Aaron Rodgers. Yep. That's like 30 years of top-level quarterbacks. The Jets – They've had some okay seasons from guys, but all these other teams seem to somehow find the franchise quarterbacks the Jets can't. Frank, it's like Jet fans have to put Chad Pennington on a pedestal because of what's been around him, you know? Yeah. Oh, wait, what about Mark Sanchez, who did make it to -to back-to-back conference title games, which is pretty good because he's obviously not a a superstar quarterback, but it's an issue. That's why the Jets getting, if they do get Aaron Rodgers, listen, he could be a little nutty, but that dude can still play. (laughs) <laughs> you know, he's going to drive you nuts in his interviews, but you know, we New York has experienced Kyrie Irving for a couple of years, so we can live with guys <laughs> saying wacky things in the media just as long as that guy does perform. No doubt about it. Well, hey, Frank, thanks for taking some time with us, man. We enjoyed it. Enjoy the weekend. We'll catch you later. Thanks, Frank. Uh, all right, guys. Take care. You too, man. There he is, Frank Isola, ESPN's Around the Horn, PTI. Catch him on the starting lineup, Sirius XM, NBA Radio. Good stuff. He had some good one-liners there. Jimmy, where he said, I loved it, where Drew Timmy, who had 36 points last night for Gonzaga, he did. He shot those free throws fast. I think the first one was way short. The second one was way long. And Frank said when the official gave him the ball, he just heaved it right away. He said it was as if the ball was ticking. I love that description. That's a great description. I was over at my buddy's house watching the back end of the games last night, and he'll vouch for it. So if you want to get a text thread, I I called it to a T. When he short-armed the free throw, and I have a UCLA bet, so like I was half kind of saying it just to 
hope. I'm like, uh-huh. nah, he's going to overcompensate for this one. You can feel it. Same way Frank said, like, he didn't want any part of those free throws. He's going to overcompensate. It's going to go back iron. Sure enough, went back iron, looking good for a second. All that hope that you talked about, and then I had to get my heart ripped out. But for a moment in time, felt like everything was was clicking my way. On top of that, though, for your Frank Isola one-liners, uh, there be no. Um, he would be the poster child of our lead consultant for the uh, East Coast translator because there was a lot of very, very, very direct. There was no sugarcoating that particularly the answer about what's going to happen at Colts quarterback because it's a great point. They've been <laughs> blessed for a long time. There's some franchise that probably feel like eh, you've had your bite at the apple. I don't really care what happens to you now. Yeah, I like that. It's honestly, I'm rooting against you guys. <laughs> I, like, I love that. He's on Colts radio. Well, Indianapolis radio, you know, home of the Colts. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It is. I'm, screw your Colts is basically what he said. I'm sick of them being good at quarterback. So, yeah, teams have had it way worse than the Colts. It seems like it's been a long haul without a, a really good quarterback, and it has. It's been about like five years. You know, like think about the Jets or the Browns. You know that jersey that the Browns have with all yep. the names of all the failed quarterbacks? Those names stretch all the way down to the floor. It, yeah, there have been teams that have been much worse off than the Colts. Yeah, the Commanders have one of those as well. They're, 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 the Jets, too. Yeah, there's a number of franchises that have, have been in that same state. I was one of them as a kid. I was. Like, it wasn't as long as a list as the Browns or the or the uh, uh, Commanders. But, yeah, there were, there were for every uh, Tyler Palco and Damon Hewer oh. on the back end of his career and Brody Croyle and Matt Castle. Oh. I, there, there, there's a list there, too. So I, I get it. I get both sides. I do. Man, the Dolphins have some names, too, with, like, Cleo Lemon and (laughs) Jay Fiedler was one of their better guys after Marino, and he wasn't that good. But in comparison, he was like the Dolphins' Chad Pennington. I swear, the Jets, you can rarely hear a Jets fan say something negative about Chad Pennington. (laughs) I'm serious. If you run into a Jets fan, I'm telling you, Jimmy, if he's of a certain age, you know, or she, that saw Chad, I, I don't think they're going to say a, a negative word. And I think it's just because there have been way worse quarterbacks than Chad Beddington, and he seems better than he is in the mind of a Jets fan. There's got to be a baseline somewhere, even though you're wading through the same mediocrity, regardless of who's under center with that franchise. Somebody has to rise above. There has to be somebody that's closest to your heart in that regard. And, and yeah, Pennington's on that pedestal for sure. Yeah. All right, coming up next, I hate it, but the Colts might like it. I'm Brian No, he's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 the fan. 93.5 and 107.5 the fan. Oh, he's Jimmy Cook here on the fan. By the way, I love that Frank Isola said that uh Rodgers can be a little nutty. <laughs> he's like, "Well, we dealt with Kyrie Irving over here, so we- <laughs> We're okay with Nutty to a degree. Can you see Aaron Rodgers burning sage around the field like Kyrie did around the Nets court? Look, man, I mean, he's he's very spiritual at times. Like, is is darkness retreat to sage really that big of a leap? I don't think so. No, I, not to me. No, not at all. I, almost hand in hand. Yeah. Now, I hate this rule that wasn't changed, but the Colts might like it. So we talked about this for a little bit, Jimmy. We'd like to circle back to it, where the QB push play, that still remains a thing. It's basically a rugby scrum where the Eagles made this famous, I would argue, 
with Jalen Hurts, where you just have like three of Jalen Hurts' teammates line up behind him and then just push him forward. (laughs) And so the competition committee, they left it unchallenged. I hate this. I don't like it. I don't think it's really football. It just seems cheap to pick up yards that way. But here's the thing, as it relates to the Colts here, Jimmy, and it shows how quickly things can change in the NFL. Look at their Colts, the Colts quarterbacks last year. A couple of them were Matt Ryan, Nick Foles. Not exactly athletic specimens over there, you know what I mean? Yep. But you could have, in the very near future, either Will Levis or Anthony Richardson starting games for the Colts and Shane Steichen, we know he's a fan of the push play, coming right. from Philly, right? Utilizing Jalen Hurts. You could see this be part of the Colts' approach in 2023. Yeah, I mean, it's not a big leap there either, right? To think that a coach that utilized it with a quarterback built for it would then bring it into Indianapolis. I mean, yeah, if you're a Colts fan, I mean, you need to find the answer at quarterback first, right? I don't mean the long-term answer. I just mean a answer. Like, once we figure out, okay, this is the guy that's going to be under center. At this point, though, that might very well be Minshew. So you're having, all of a sudden, the mustachio maestro himself under center getting pushed from behind by Jonathan Taylor or anybody else that you need to to go up and, and get him the first down. Yeah, look, I'm not... Brian, I can speak to you on this. Like, mm-hmm. I've been ingrained in my head since a child that these type of plays aren't always respected or at one point in time weren't allowed prior to 2006 in the NFL. I always go back to the bush push, right? Like I still stand mm-hmm. by like that never should have happened. What are we doing here? I know it's a different sport, but like that, that will always be ingrained in my brain. So I'm a little sensitive in general to this style of play, but at the same time, like it clearly there was not enough pushback for the league to overturn it and move it without more instances of it happening across the league. Like it, Eagles really brought it back to the forefront of this is happening. Something needs to be done about it. If Sean Payton, like I mentioned earlier, decides to implement it all the time, if Shane Steichen decides to break it out here in Indianapolis and it becomes a factor, maybe then it'll be pushed towards a aggressive motion to be counteracted next offseason. Okay, so I got a couple of things for you. Yep. One, I was on the sideline for the Bush push game. I was doing like the pregame radio stuff, and you could go down to the sideline for the final few minutes of the game. What blew my mind also, Jimmy, was you could walk right behind Notre Dame's bench. I could like slap dudes and be like, hey, go get them, (laughs) like slap them on the shoulder pads or something. I couldn't believe that was allowed, but I was right there on the sideline when the Bush Bush occurred. And the weird thing, another chapter in the book of I'm an Enigma, I hate the push play in the NFL. But even though it was illegal at the time in college football, I never complained about the push push. I, I, I don't know. I just technically it was illegal, but I never, I never got bent out of shape about that one. It's kind of strange. But as it relates to the NFL, I say this. Here's my proposal, Jimmy. If we're doing the push play, no forward progress, right? Let's really make it rugby if we're going all in here okay if Jalen Hurts lines up and he's got his fullback and his tight end and somebody else like a a sixth offensive lineman in the backfield just shoving him forward okay fine fair is fair you get the D line you get linebackers you get the strong safety you get everybody pushing you the other way no forward progress so we actually have some fair stakes over here if we're doing it let's do it where it's fair for the defense also let's even the odds yes yes Yes. That's what I say should happen. But no, I would like him to get rid of it altogether. It's a cheap way to pick up yards. 
It's football over here. It's not rugby. I don't like when football turns into rugby. I'm not a fan. Yeah, like it's not a it's not a fun play unless you're like big into like just in the trenches warfare. Then it then it really gets you going. Yes, another first down. Let's go. <laughs> Maybe you're a person that's like betting over unders on first downs, and you did that in the Super Bowl, and you're like, push him, get that extra inch. Yes. It yeah. almost sounds like you had that exact I did not, bet. Jimmy. Did not. Did not. Okay. I did okay. not have that exact bet. But I but I am aware of many hats in terms of getting into the mindset of of example here. Insert example here. Gambler. No, no, not you a hard leap for me. I thought there was a decent chance the competition committee would change this because of your team. You know, if I know it wasn't a push play, but Patrick Mahomes got hurt on a quarterback sneak. Yes. And if you think about the push play, it just takes it to the next level where Jalen Hurts, he's like, you know, the middle part of an Oreo cookie. You know what I mean? Like he's just getting pushed by both sides. That's not great from a health standpoint. And they do all this stuff to protect quarterbacks. Yeah. I'm surprised they didn't take another step in that direction, but it's unchanged for now. Yeah, Kansas City has not run a quarterback sneak with Patrick Mahomes since, and they never will. <laughs> like that just I promise you that will never happen ever again. They'll they will have Travis Kelsey, they'll have a backup, go do it. They're, they're not gonna have him do it. Um, but on top of that, in terms of your larger point of the surprise of it happening, I liken it to a couple of years ago, uh, and again I apologize for the chief reference, but it goes towards the competition committee. It's the only example I have. Mm-hmm. Kansas City lost to New England in overtime of the 2018 yeah. uh, AFC Championship game. Patrick Mahomes never touched the ball. They lost. They submitted a complaint. Or not a complaint, but you know, a, a rule change request to the competition yeah. committee being like, hey, everybody should touch the ball. Really mm-hmm. only Kansas City was was like for it. Maybe a handful of other teams. Buffalo voted against it. number of mm-hmm. other teams voted against it. And then we're in this new era of quarterbacks where it's like, I, I need to have electric, high-powered plays the entire time. Wait, it's Chiefs-Bills. Wait, why isn't Josh Allen getting an opportunity here to answer? It matters on a, on a not, maybe not bigger stage, but it matters with the way the league has been transformed over the last couple of years. We want these high-powered quarterbacks with the ball as much as possible. The rule gets resubmitted by Buffalo, passes with flying collars. It's going to take more of a either impact, like decisive action mm-hmm. by a team, or it will take widespread adoption by maybe teams that don't have high-powered quarterbacks like Allen or Burrow or Mahomes, and then you get crying foul by the rest of the league because the Ravens are suddenly, with Lamar Jackson back in tote in this scenario, are, are winning ball games at the one, just pushing them into the end zone. <laughs> it's going to need something drastic to change, in my mind. Uh, totally. Totally. And uh, yeah, it, I think it's coming in the near future, and it might be an injury more than uh, you know a, a decisive touchdown yeah. from the one. But to your point, it, it could be the latter also. It could be a decisive touchdown, but it's in the works. I haven't gotten there yet, but I do think that it's going to get phased out in the not-too-distant future is my, my feeling on it. All right, coming up next, Jimmy, you know the Undertaker gif? You know that where he just kind of like, sits up, his back yeah, yeah, yeah. And sits up yes. really? Yeah. I've got a recent example of that gif coming to life. We'll get to that around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here with you on The Fan. So the Undertaker gif, Jimmy, where Undertaker, pro wrestler, extraordinaire, flat on his back, and he just sits up abruptly. You know, new life. New new juice, if you will. That would be my bracket. Uh-oh. That's what it is. That's the gif coming to life. <laughs> because 
It was a crime scene, my bracket, to begin the tournament. And I'm not going to give you a blow by blow by blow. I'll give you a couple of the, the bullet points over here. I had Arizona winning the whole thing. I had Purdue in the final four. I'm like, I'm dead. It's tough. There's no way. So I'm part of the like the Fox Sports Radio Bracket Challenge. And uh, of all the hosts, I'm number two on the list, Jimmy. Hey. Yeah, and there's a, a listener who's leading the whole thing. That guy has 50 points. I have 45 points, Jimmy. I'm like, what is – I thought, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I looked. I just – I didn't even pay attention. I'm like, I'm dead. It's over. Maybe next year. But I have my wit. My Midwest region is perfect. I haven't missed a game there. But again, this could go south really fast because I have Purdue in the Final Four, Arizona winning the whole thing. So what I need I need a couple of upsets here, Jimmy. That's what I need. I need Alabama to lose immediately. Like tonight would be preferable. And I also need Kansas State to probably lose. So if we can get Florida Atlantic and like Creighton on the left side of the bracket. I got new life. I need Gonzaga and Xavier. Those are the schools I need in the final four. So your, so. your hope at this point is for everybody else's champion to get cannibalized tonight yeah. or as soon as possible. Oh, and yeah. then your final four to play out the way you need it to. Plus, I would assume you, you still have the champion on the other side or the representative on the other side yeah, available. I still have Gonzaga available, okay. which I don't love. But the way it's shaking out, they got a shot. Oh, yeah. They got a legitimate yes. shot. Yeah, so if we can get the Zags in the championship game against, like, Creighton or FAU, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Maybe, maybe I got a shot. All right, coming up next, our guy Kevin Bowen. You hear him here on the morning show, Kevin and Query. I'll tell you what, Jimmy. If KB starts talking more smack about Will Levis, so help me. We'll we'll find out when we get another dose of that around the corner. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 93.5 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know, Jimmy, just talking to our producer today, Sam Fritz. He's a, a pro wrestling fan. Worked a little bit in pro wrestling. Are you a pro wrestling guy there? Not really. I mean, I, it, it's so much involved in like today's modern sports feed still that like I'll, I'll catch up on a little bit. I, I, I had a time in my life. I, I was a big undertaker fan. Yeah. Uh, was on the John Cena train a little bit in, in middle school. Yeah. I've, I've like everybody I've pro wrestling crosses your life at some point or another. And for some people it sticks around for a long time and I have no problem with that. I just, it, it did not go that way for me. Okay. Uh, fair is fair. Uh, you? I, yeah, I like it. I've dabbled over the years. I love the NWO days. You know, I will say this. Whether you're a wrestling fan or not, I will highly recommend this just off the top of my head. Sting did a a piece on the Players' Tribune within the last, I can't remember, maybe year or so. It was fascinating. It was really, really good where he talked about a number of different things where he almost gave it up. He was one of the more popular wrestlers even now, right? But. He um he was driving down the road. He's doing all these like little shows and not getting a lot of a pay. And he's all banged up and he's driving down the road with his girlfriend. And uh, he's like, you know what? They had a show in like New Orleans or something like that. He's like, I think I'm just gonna keep going on this on the highway, man. I don't even feel like pulling over and doing this show. And she was like, No, no, no. You're you're close. You're getting there. You're almost about to pop. Just stick it out. And he did, and then he turned out to be one of the biggest names. It was just so funny how it literally could have gone completely differently for Sting. 
And he had some other great, great stories. I highly recommend that one. It's a great, great read. I will absolutely check it out. I'm always down for those Players' Tribune pieces. They're they're always very fascinating, and I'll, I'll put them on my list for after the show. There you go. I like it. All right, let's welcome in Kevin Bowen from Kevin and Query in the morning here on The Fan. KB, you a pro wrestling fan at all? Boy, yeah, I, I can't say that I am. I, I do feel like with Sam Fritz, uh, our morning show producer, normally that would be Mark Dykton, uh, Kyle Wells back in the day with Hammer and Nigel, I feel like it is like this massive producer um I don't know, just like calling card of like we are all in on the pro wrestling regime. So, uh, yeah, I can't say that I've um, ever gotten into it too much. I would imagine you are on the Micah Shrewsbury bandwagon, though, right? New head coach of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish men's basketball team. I would imagine you're a big fan of that, although not as huge a fan of pro wrestling. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I would wrestle a bear um, if Micah Shrewsbury (laughs) told me to right now. So. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge huge fan of it. Um, yeah, I think for a lot of the obvious reasons of you, know, you talk to anyone around this state that's ever been around him, and you know the basketball acumen kind of speaks for itself. I love the style of play that he had at Penn State. I think that's an important uh, part to having success, not only in college basketball, but I think it's what fans also enjoy. And unfortunately, when your fan base is not the most rabid. Um, I do think that's important to keep an entertaining product, even when there might be a few losses thrown in there. Um, and then just in general, Mike Bray did a hell of a job there, obviously, for, for two decades. If I'm going to nitpick a bit, though, I thought Bray really struggled recruiting the state of Indiana, particularly like south of, you know, 45 minutes south of South Bend, really. I mean, a Fort Wayne kid here, there, Luke Heron, Gody from the region. But, you know, the Indianapolis and I would argue Chicago as well, um, just did not find a lot of talent. You would think Shrewsbury, given the Big Ten roots, given the state of Indiana roots, he would be able to help you uh, help you out there. So I am thrilled. Uh, credit to Jack Schwarberg for making a pretty big commitment to Notre Dame basketball, which hasn't always been the case. And uh, this is a very, I think, uh, very much needed injection of life. Any truth to the rumors that you going shirtless was the highest uh, clicked content piece on 107.5thefan.com in the site's history? Is that is that true, or is that is that just <laughs> rumors that I, I need to dispel quick? Yeah, you know, I will neither confirm <laughs> confirm nor deny those rumors. I, you know, I potentially have been approached by some um, third parties that, that have been looking to um, for endorsement deals here. Um, but constructive criticism, though, I think was kind of a common theme about my body yesterday. Uh, a lot of, oh, wow, yeah, he definitely has a dad bod, um, <laughs> which I, I, I think I take as a compliment. I, 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 don't, I don't know um, if it was you know, put in that way. I did see a side-by-side of my chest uh, next to E.T., which, you know, there's a few rolls on old E.T. there. I don't know if that was a um, the greatest compliment that I received yesterday. But you know what? As we are here on 107.5 The Fan, whether that's from 7 to 10, 12 to 3, 3 to 6, you got to be a man of your word. And I said on Wednesday that I would remove my shirt if Jack Swarbrick got it done. Probably showing a little bit of my lack of faith in Notre Dame basketball and the type of commitment there. And when they followed through, it was time to uh, get the wardrobe one less. What's the workout of choice these days, KB? Are you like a P90X guy? Is it uh, you're you're not a workout guy? Like how do you get down? Yeah, I, I do venture down to the basement gym there yeah. um, a time or two. Usually once I'm on, like, the third droplet of sweat, though, that's when I just call it a day and start thinking about lunch. <laughs> the yeah. third droplet, I, mean, I like it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, you know how you kind of feel like that little bit of like, hmm, I just feel my skin kind of changing a little bit. And then once you get to like that third drop of sweat, I'm like, boy, I just, I just saved the world today. Uh, so I try to get there about four days a week. And if I can accomplish that, then uh, lo and behold, it's time to eat whatever you want. Kev, as much as I would love to continue the the, the uh, men's health article that we've started to write with you, I want to pivot for just a second and look at the Colts most recently oh, this so week. No more Notre Dame basketball talk either. I mean, th- there, look, there is, there is a deeper question about Jack Swarbrick and Notre Dame football that I'd love to dive in with you, but I realize that it might not be what our audience really cares about, so I will pocket it for off air. Um, but. All the same, very happy for you uh, in Notre Dame basketball and bringing Micah Shrewsbury to Notre Dame, not only because I'm happy for Notre Dame, but also he's out of the Big Ten. But I digress. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie brought in as a veteran wideout for the Colts this week. Uh, it's been reported a couple different spots. I, I think you've had it as well, but Joel Erickson mentioned that it, right around a cap hit of just under $1.1 million. So if you're trusting Sport Tracker over the cap, about anywhere between 18 and $20 million left for spending with the Colts. I kind of asked you a different variation of this last week, but does that money get used the rest of this free agency period? Or do you envision that kind of being a, a fallback or a, or a fund to break if they wanted to make a trade or do any extensions the year goes on? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, when you look at the rest of the off season, you kind of map it out, Jimmy, obviously you need about six or 7 million, I believe for your draft picks, you know, when you draft four yeah. overall, you know, that, that, that changes, changes a little bit of the financial outlook to the amount of money you usually kind of set aside in a pool to you know, allocate to that draft class. Um, I think the other thing you've got to keep in mind, and you did mention it, was contract extensions for Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. Uh, typically in the Chris Ballard era, whether it was then Darius Leonard, Braden Smith, um, you know, even Quentin Nelson, those are deals that get done late in the summer, right around training camp, maybe even into the preseason, just before the start of the year. So in Pittman's case and Taylor's case, entering the final year of their respective rookie deals, again, past president would say they are in line for an extension. I, If I had to guess, I would say Taylor may be more likely than Pittman, um, but their positional history here recently would indicate those would be some really interesting negotiations considering how lucrative the wideout second contracts have been and how running backs just continue to be devalued around the NFL. So I'm fascinated to see if cap space and how it will be utilized for those two. Um, and then after that, you know, Ballard, again, his MO has kind of been, hey, let's keep $10 million just mm-hmm. to kind of hang around during the season if you need to pivot, if you need to do something. Obviously, that money can roll over to the next year. So, you know, when you start to add all that up, I'm thinking, boy, there's a chance they might not use it. Now, again, having said that, they still have needs in this team. I, I still think they need to entertain it. I still think they need to try and use um, some of that cap space, uh, but I'm not kind of holding my breath that they will. They could still create more cap space as well with a couple veterans. Uh, again, I'm not acting like that's a slam dunk, but again, cap has never been the issue for the Colts. It, it's more been willingness to use that, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Of I could see some areas where past Chris Ballard would hold on, and I think so far, you know, a week and a half, nearly two weeks into free agency, kind of past Chris Ballard has still been there. You know, KB, I've only been thinking about the next layer for the Colts, which is find a quarterback. But if you consider the layer after that, 
if they are able to land a quarterback and he shows a lot of promises, you could see Chris Ballard be a lot more aggressive in free agency trying to maximize that rookie quarterback window or like that rookie wage scale uh, window for their quarterback where, I mean, first things first, find a QB, but you could see a completely different Chris Ballard in terms of aggressiveness if they are able to make it, if they're able to draft a difference maker. I think that's interesting to think about because I don't think about it like that at all. I just think about QB next, then go from there. But you think of the next layer, that could be it. Yeah, I I hear you out, and I would agree with that. And I think 90-some percent of the NFL would agree with that, but I just don't think that's how Chris Ballard is wired. Now, granted, he hasn't been in that situation, but you know, for six straight free agencies, we've seen an extremely patient, prudent approach. And again, we are only a week and a half, two weeks into it, but there are a lot of big names off the board, and yet they still have been really hesitant. And you know, if you look at the offense right now, you've lost Paris Campbell and added Isaiah McKenzie. Let's just call that like break even. You know, that's just okay. And that's, I think, giving McKenzie a little bit too much there, considering uh, he's had a lot of inconsistencies with, with drops here in recent years. But let's just call that a break even. That means you are returning the worst personnel, you know, the worst offense of the NFL. You're returning all that personnel, minus obviously whatever you do at the quarterback position. But, you know, the running back room's the same, the wide receiver room's the same, the tight end room's the same, the offensive line room is the same and I think it's really important to remember that you know do you want to push all your chips into the middle of the table for this year no but you also want to make sure you support that young quarterback and I think you've seen moves in Carolina and in Houston where they are trying to do that they are trying to support that young quarterback and I look at the personnel here in Indy and think boy that lacks some support for sure in you know kind of making sure that uh, that rookie QB feels comfortable and is put in, you know, the best atmosphere possible to excel early, so that scar tissue and just you know early career struggles don't become too abundant, and maybe that impacts the rest of his career. Kevin Bowen of Kevin and Query, nice enough to take some time with us. You can follow him on Twitter at kbowen1070. Kev, you and I were talking a little bit uh, between shows the other day regarding this continued quarterback hunt back and forth, and and I feel like. My, my, my co-host today and Brian No, it feels like that you have more pushback for Will Levis than most. But after our conversation yesterday, I would feel like that maybe that was never the case. Or if it was, you, you've, you've been moved a little bit the more you've looked back at, at his film, both from last year and his junior season. Is yeah, that fair? I, 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 yeah, I think it is fair. I, I, I think... And I don't know, maybe this is just kind of a loud minority on Twitter, but it just seems like there's a lot of disgust with Will Levis. And, you know, frankly, if you just want to judge that off of the man wanting to put mayo in his coffee, I I, I guess that's perfectly acceptable. (laughs) But I think you've got to get a little bit outside of this senior year box. Yeah, I, I almost wish, Jimmy, we could, like, flash back to 2018, a month before that draft, and have this discussion about Josh Allen. And to think like, oh, my gosh, did you see what he did at Wyoming? You know, how bad was his senior year in that Oregon game? And it was utterly horrific and, and this and that. Um, with Levis, you know, I think you talk to people around the NFL, that junior year, it, it, it has some Matthew Stafford-type vibes from it. The senior year, obviously he had issues, not only his own health, and playing through a lot of stuff, but Kentucky lost a lot of personnel. They changed offenses, the offensive line was, you know, very weak. 
end of the day, this is a guy that still, again, his defense helped him out. But, you know, he's a 17-7 quarterback in college. Um, he, he was in a lot of different NFL-type systems. You know, he was coordinated by some guys that have NFL experience. So I think that would be um, pretty attractive. And, and, again, I know this is harder to look, and box scores don't necessarily show it, but I do think a lot of people around the NFL like how he's wired from the head up and do believe that from a leadership, what it takes to play quarterback, those sorts of things, he uh, he can check that um, check that box pretty well. So, again, I, I just feel like it's all of a sudden turned to, like, you hate Will Levis and there's no way he can be any good in the NFL. You're going to have to obviously project, and you're going to have to look at his senior year and say, all right, that, the atmosphere around him was not very good, but we feel like if we stabilize that and, you know, we work on his footwork and – you know, maybe he is able to process a little bit better if we can, you know, keep offensive continuity around here and simplify some things, and then you're able to find that success. Absolutely. Um, if it comes down to it, KB, where it's Levis versus Richardson and the, the Colts are weighing, do we move up to three and have our pick? Are we at four and they're both still on the board? I mean, what's your hope if it's Levis versus Richardson for the Colts? Yeah, I <laughs> – I'm a little torn on it. You know, part of me thinks a a little bit more Levis than Richardson. I I just, I think if the dominant trait of the quarterback is his running ability, that to me is harder to sustain into his, you know, late twenties, early thirties. I think you honestly see some of that with Lamar Jackson right now. Um, You know, with Levis, again, you would be projecting a little bit more back to that junior year and, looking at the senior year and saying, okay, you know, very similar to kind of how Jalen Hurts operated in college. He had constant coordinator play calling turnover. Then he finally has back-to-back years with Shane Steichen as the same coordinator, and boom, he has an MVP type of season. So I think you're trying to look at those sort of cases of like, all right, if you provide the same system for them, you know, what are you able to try and get done? I wouldn't say I'm like overwhelming with either of them, to be totally fair, but if I look at both of them, you know, trying to get a guy to improve his accuracy as much as you would need to, and he has such vast inexperience in college, that would worry me a little bit more than the uh, than the other one. Well, good stuff, KB. Always fun to talk to you, man. Uh, maybe go crazy and don't stop the workout until the fourth droplet of sweat, you know? I don't know. Sure. Yeah, that sounds ambitious, but you are right. You know, pool season is right around the corner, so – I, I probably should uh, should try and see if I can take that next step up the ladder. So thank you for that motivation. There, there you go. Call me uh, Tony Horton over here. You know, just <laughs> have a good weekend, bud. We'll catch you later. All right, boys. Have a good weekend. You too. There he is, Kevin Bowen. Kevin and Query Morning Show here on the Fan. Uh, you know, one thing that I take God, away you from do that, have Tony Horton vibes, man. I was I couldn't figure it out. Like, but but when you said that, like I I see your face like grinning at me with a with a uh, a Bryce Young take just to irk me, and I all I I hate it, but I love it. Like I just I feel like I feel like I'm about to about to be P90X up in here, man. You get have down you with that Ripper X over there, have Jimmy got, Cook. You, Is that what you're telling before? me? What's that? Have you gotten that before? Like that's that, that's a. I mean, it's a the most one of the most well known personal trainers, so it's an easy one to pull up. But like, have you ever got that vibe from somebody like, oh, Brian, you remind me of Tony Horton? No, I think you're the first to say that. Is uh, I've got some Tony Horton vibes. He listens to like, metal. There's no way he's not a he's not a Slayer <laughs> fan. No shot, he's not. 
I hope he is, because I would have even more respect for one Tony Orton if that's the case. Mr. P90X. But uh, that's funny. You know, one of the things with KB talking about the dad bod, I heard this one time. There are many women out there, Jimmy, that like a dad bod. And I talked to one of these girls, and I was like, really? You like that? And she was like, yeah. It looks like you'd be a good father. So like, there are many girls that want to have a family and want to have a, a you know, a man and husband and all that stuff. And it's like more attractive depending on what you're seeking in life, the stage of life you're in, that sort of thing. So the dad bod, we kind of knock it. But I'm telling you, the guy with six-pack abs, you'd think he'd get the girl every time. Not the case. Sometimes dad bod gets him. You know, if I if I may jump in here just quickly, Brian, um, uh-huh. I, I was told that, too, when I was in college. And so I was like, cool, all right, well, I'll add on a couple pounds in college. Uh <laughs> And the pounds stayed, but the women didn't. <laughs> Nor did they come either. They didn't. They didn't arrive. They didn't stay. They certainly left. Uh, so I just like to, you know, maybe provide the other side of that coin and say uh, a regular amount of fitness and health is, is probably See, the best. No, I disagree, Sam, because you set it up. You're in college. They're not looking for husbands in college. They're looking for a good time. They're looking for six pack abs more times than not. What, what about a dad bod? Doesn't say a good time. You know, it says I can crush a natty light in five seconds flat. Amen to that. Amen to that. (laughs) How how old are you now, Sammy? 27. 27. Okay. We might need another five years or so. You know, I think if you cross the 30, you know, the 30-yard line, if you will, if we get up to about 32 years old and then you go full dad bod, I think your success rate is going to be a lot better than when you were in college. I really believe that. You know, my, my doctor would not advocate for that. <laughs> so, I'll, But you know what? Who knows? Where I'm at in five years, if I'm still without a girlfriend or wife, maybe I'll dedicate full force. Very nice. Like that. Brian No and Jimmy Cook with you here on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I want to circle back to one thing. Maybe I didn't set it up well. It's kind of a, a tricky thing to set up. But when I was talking about the Colts and Chris Ballard and his level of aggressiveness, right, Jimmy? What I'm thinking is if the Colts are able to land a difference-making rookie quarterback. Now, let's stop right there. What does that mean? Well, they draft a quarterback. Let's just say it's Will Levis or Anthony Richardson. They get some playing time year one. They show a lot of promise. They show, like, this can be a legitimate franchise quarterback for the next decade plus. If that's the case, it's next offseason. If you've got that rookie contract and you've got that young dude who's making plays and looks to be a franchise quarterback then in 2024 I could see a very aggressive Chris Ballard in free agency I don't mean right now there's no way to know whether you landed a difference making quarterback in the draft right now you have to wait till the season and most of free agencies dried up anyway so I mean next off season if you have that rookie show a lot of promise then you could see a very aggressive Chris Ballard here's my slight pushback with that I don't disagree with the overall sentiment right like okay that makes more sense to go dive in head first when you have the high-powered asset on the rookie deal I agree with all that why I'm still skeptical that would even happen is when they were allegedly win now mode putting the band-aid on things there were still times where it, I, I, it was like that Chris Ballard at times forgets that he is operating with one of the most powerful men in sport, which is all the owners, right? When you have an NFL team, like you have multiple tools at your disposal, some more than others, but Jim Irsay has made it clear he's willing to open the checkbook. He is willing mm-hmm. to spend. There's times where even when it looked like we'll put the Band-Aid on, we can still contend 
that there was money left on the table that could have been used. So I, I'm a bit skeptical of that happening. That should be the thought process, but I need to see it before I'm willing to dive in. In principle, though, you're exactly right. That's how it should be. That's interesting because I guess you've got an example. It's not a perfect example, but think about the Packers having Aaron Rodgers, not on a rookie wage scale contract. That's the big difference. But having Aaron Rodgers, four-time league MVP, and they've been pretty passive building around him. They haven't been in go-for-it mode. They've been the opposite of the Rams and F-them picks and let's just go all in. right? right? So you do have some examples, but what's different about that is he's not on a rookie contract. Right. If you look at the teams with quarterbacks that are difference makers on rookie contracts, they're going nuts. Like, they're building around to a tongue of Iloa. We got question marks if he can remain upright, but they're trading for Jalen Ramsey and Bradley Chubb, and they're giving big-time contracts to this guy and that guy. Like, they're building around and taking advantage of that rookie contract. Same thing with the Bengals. Same thing with the Eagles trading for A.J. Brown. And You just see it time and time again. If Chris Ballard hits on a difference-making rookie in the draft and is not aggressive in free, free agency going forward, I would be freaking floored. I just think that's such a different situation than what we've seen for other years when he's been here with the Colts. Again, I don't disagree, but I just have this mentality. I think a lot of Colts fans do that it's just a bad pigeonhole with the franchise. Okay, I want to see you spend. I want to see you spend as much as possible. And there's been some flashes, right? You bring in DeForest Buckner. Like, 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 like you didn't make a full-scale splash, but you go get Yannick Ngakwe, even though he was a one-off in this process. But he's shown willingness to acquire. It's just there's still money left on the back burner during those years where it was sold to the fan base. We're contending. We're just this quarterback away. Rivers is the guy. No, Wentz is the guy. No, no, no. Brian's the guy. There's been enough of those where I think there's scar tissue. I agree with you though. If I'm a general manager and you've seen it on number of these rookie contracts, the Seahawks, the chiefs, the Bengals are doing it right now. Yeah. That's over the last 20 years or so. That is the time to spend. If you feel like you have the answer, right? It is a, just absolute shopping spree for your general manager and your franchise when that rookie deal's in place. The Chargers, they traded for Khalil Mack to team up with Joey Bosa, and I just, I cannot envision, it's funny too, we're already talking about 2024. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't even gotten to the draft yet in 23, but I cannot envision Ballard being passive and penny-pinching if he's got a difference-making quarterback, and he's on his rookie wage scale contract. I just, I would be stunned, just like, I don't think my mouth would close, you know? I'd, it'd be easier to eat, you know? But I think I'd be so stunned it would stay open for the entire 2024 20, year, Again, is what I think. Th- that's the right take. That is probably what would happen, but I would not be surprised at all if there was still money left to be spent and they were, like, hanging hanging on to certain things. I, I That's just... Again, it's the way it's been painted to me. It's probably like the wrong, like more biased than it should be take. Uh-huh. But I, my ne- mouth would not be on the floor. I'd be looking at you. I'd be like, no, no Brian, close your mouth. I try to tell you. I, <laughs> I told you back in 23 before the draft. Don't you remember? Like that. that that's where I would be. I would be like, I, I still don't believe it <laughs> at all. I do not believe it. I don't think we would get there. I really don't. Um, how about this, though, real fast? KB. Coming around on the Will Levis Express train just a little bit, huh? I heard a little, well, the atmosphere around him wasn't very good. Amen. A freaking men. He's at Kentucky. Hello. It matters. So I love that KB is 
sipping a little, a little of the Levis Kool-Aid. Very nice. Hey, I'm, I know that you're going to take those wins where you can get them. That, that, that's it's a, a W to chalk up in the Brian No personal record book. I, I like it. Um, look, I'm not I'm not a Will Levis hater, but I've told you where I stand. I would rather have Richardson if you made me choose, but I do think that he's kind of getting the raw end of this coverage. Yeah. And and Kevin's right. Like the the seasons that he had, particularly back in his junior year, like it's an entirely different story. And we haven't brought that up at all. Like I, I haven't heard you bring it up, but I'm sure you meant to in regards to the, the the change in coordinators, the change in style of offense he had to deal with because it's been masked by the other stuff he had to deal with, the injuries and players going pro or players, players transferring out and the injuries he was dealing with. That's a big piece that often doesn't get talked about. So, yeah, like I'm not I'm not on the levish train, but I am not going to be one of the ones that are – uh, flipping cars, as you as you mentioned the other day. I'm going to be up here uh, in the drivehuber.com studios above the Soldiers and Sailors Monument. You know, the, the thingy with the water, as you put last week, watching the city come I, crumbling down just with a cup I of coffee. I did not, quote unquote, say the thingy <laughs> with the water. That is... You're right. You're right. It was worse than that. I can't remember what no, it, was, it was, but it was not great. No, it was just, it was a, you, you know, know, the thing that's out no, there. No, it was the like, thing. there's water, there's water. And I'm like, it's more than a fountain. So what do I, I didn't know exactly what to call it, but yeah, it turned it. Now it's the thingy with the water in it. Yes. Hey, hey, <laughs> so, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie's not in today, but he has that saved somewhere and he's back in here on Wednesday. So, okay. so make sure that you're, I'm probably paraphrasing poorly too but you're also kind of cleaning it up like it without you know i I landed that dismount it was fine no 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 it was still (laughs) choppy still choppy all right coming up next you did a a brilliant ihsaa read over there jimmy well thank you and it made me think of a topic here there was a key line that you gave at the end of the read and so we'll We'll compare notes around the corner. Have some fun with that as sports fans throughout the years. Okay, that's on the way. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. It's 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. You know, Jimmy, do a tremendous job with those live reads over there. You know, you did one recently for the IHSAA. And there was a line toward the end of it that caught my attention. You were talking about, I was there. Do you have that copy in front of you? You know what I'm talking about? I do. Can you read it for everybody? Yeah, so the way that there's a bunch of different bullet points to hit on with this copy, kind of showing how the sausage is made. So where I transitioned was, you have the chance to say, I was there. And then I jumped down to, don't miss it. Nothing compares to attending an IHSA basketball state finals in person. There you so go. That, that's how I read it. Uh, there's more about uh, which we we vary it and change it up from time to time on the reads. But talks about how high school sports are different, education based athletics impacting your communities and representing them. But I again I, I abbreviate and condense depending on where we're at within the show. Okay, I can sleep well tonight knowing how the sausage is made. There you go. You know. Yep. That, thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, I was and I highly recommend you go out in there and check out some high school basketball. I still remember watching Sean Kemp at Concord High School back in the day. I uh, still remember that. So definitely check out some high school action. The I was there comment, that portion of the read, it, it caught my attention. I just started thinking, Jimmy, for fun. I'm curious on your list of games that you've attended over the years where you would tell your friends or whatever, I was there. I was at that game because something 
interesting happened, something memorable happened? What are a few that are on your list as a sports fan over the years? So, in, not in any particular order, I was at both the Final Four and National Championship game uh, between Butler and Michigan State and Butler and Duke. My dad's a Butler grad, and so yeah. I Bulldogs always have a special place in my heart. We didn't see the tickets for a really long time. So both those games, obviously separate events there or up there. Uh, I've been to two AFC championship games rooting for the Chiefs. Both were losses. Uh, one was – both were both were pretty memorable, but both were losses all the same. Um, Ouch. And, and yeah. then, uh, again, sticking with the Chiefs just for the sake of argument, I have been to a derby. My, my dad had uh, uh, nice. uh, raced horses for a long time, a box of Churchill. So we would – I got to go once uh, as an adult, which is really cool. Uh, last one I'll end with Chiefs, Colts, uh, Andrew Luck's last game. Yeah. Kansas City's first playoff win at home since I was born. Uh, awesome to be able to be there in person to see that. So that's mine. What about you? What, what, that's pretty good. List? You got a good list over there. Just like the memorable, you would say, I was there. Maybe you saw a highlight now because the moment was big and you said, I was actually at. We talked about the Bush push game. That sucked for Notre Dame. Losing that, we'll never forget that. But that's probably the most memorable game that I've been there at. A funny little nugget on that. Jimmy, I used to – so this is first world problems, but I was doing some of the the the, bleh, the Notre Dame pregame show. And so what they would do, they'd give you a pass, and you would sit in the press box the whole game, and then you could go down on the field for like the final five minutes. I hated the press box. Because it's a quote-unquote working area. It's enclosed in glass. You can't cheer. You can't hear the crowd. You can't feel the energy. So I would go on top of the press box. I would stand up there. There's a little area where they've got, you know, the cameras and all that stuff. I would go up there. It was packed for that USC game. But I remember Notre Dame scored a touchdown earlier in the game. And, like, this is an eagle-eyed view. I'm just looking down and, and seeing the fans. And someone celebrating, I swear, Jimmy, from, like, one of the top rows had this enormous big gulp from 7-Eleven <laughs> and just chucked it. I'm not even kidding. A good 30, 40 rows. And I'm just watching this big gulp <laughs> sail through the air. And then it was just Flat on some guy's face, like the whole big go by. <laughs> I'll never forget that with the Bush Push game, man. Oh man, that that is I well done by you. You say you're not a, you're not a play by play guy, but I I, I I saw it all happen. Well done. I think the audience nice. did too. Now, a couple of others. Uh, one has indie ties. This one doesn't. But to your Chiefs, I was at the game at Arrowhead where they set the the highest decibel level record. And it was the game that they crushed Tom Brady and the Patriots. I think it was week four. It was yep. early in the season. The Chiefs won 41 to 14. And I'll never forget after the game, Trent Dilfer was on the field. He was doing his post-game wrap-up with ESPN. And he's like, let's face it, the Patriots aren't good anymore. Yep, yep. And they won the Super they, Bowl they that ran, season. They, not only that, they <laughs> went on to win two more, I believe, at minimum. And that was the whole national narrative the entire next like month was on the Patriots. This is it. This is the end of the era. And no, it was decidedly not the end of the era. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I got to see in college hoops – in Indy, I got to see Wisconsin beat Kentucky, who was undefeated in the Final Four. That was kind of cool. And then this is a funny story. It's not really a memorable game. 
I went to a Jets-Colts game around 2000, something like that. It was in Indianapolis, and I go to the bathroom, and I'm, I'm just doing my thing in the bathroom. You know the rule at the urinal. You're just staring straight ahead. And I, I can't help but see, like, someone's wearing this funky hat or something. I just see out of the corner of my eye, and I just kind of subtly look over to the right. It's Fireman Ed <laughs> that leads the Jets chance oh, and has the huge hat. <laughs> and so we're just at the urinal, and I didn't say anything. I, I really didn't have anything to say, and I was going to be like, hey. I didn't even know his name was Fireman Ed at the time. <laughs> I was going to be like, hey, you're that guy with the J-E-T-S chance while we're doing what we were doing. Yeah, so yeah. I didn't say anything there, Jimmy, but – it was funny in the moment, though. That's I'm trying to think because there's not a ton of like super fans like that where you point to it and you're like, "Oh my god, I know exactly who this guy." That's dude. That's why I love sports. Like, it's not just the the wins and the losses that matters a ton as a fan, but like just the encounters and interactions you can sometimes have or sometimes stumble upon. That that's it's a great story. It's awesome. I don't know if I've told you this at all. I don't think I've told it on the air here in Indianapolis, but it gets me thinking. Um, so Ian Eagle, I interviewed Ian Eagle one time, and uh, he was awesome, by the way. Really great. And uh, he goes, you know, during the game, I, I got to run over to the bathroom, kind of do my thing. You know, I got to go. And he's like, there are a lot of fans that while we're at the urinal, will ask for a selfie. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like... Yeah, go ahead, man. Do your thing. Like I just thought that was awesome. I am. I Eagle is big time. Oh He's yeah. doing NFL games, college basketball games, Nets games. Yep. He is one of the premier broadcasters and Tippy could top. Yep. easily tell these guys to just jump in a river. And he's like, "Yeah, go for it, man. You get a good angle on that one." Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's probably so awesome. easier in that amount of time of how quick and efficient he has to be to be like, "Yeah, whatever you got to do. You know, just don't don't <laughs> harm me. Yeah, whatever whatever you need to do is fine." <laughs> By the way, Sam Fritz in with us today as our producer. How about what's on your list, uh, Sammy, in terms of I was there, sporting events, pro wrestling, wherever you want to go? Most unique one is actually probably most recently with the Pacers and I believe 76ers game where Will Ferrell was in attendance. Yeah. Um, and Will Ferrell stole the show, man, quite literally stole the mic out of the MC's hands <laughs> uh, and started yelling towards the crowd, which, I mean, it got us to stand for the tip, absolutely. Uh, WWE, I actually was at a Madison Square Garden show, and I got to see a title change hands in the garden for the first time in over a decade. That's cool. Who was it? It was AJ Styles winning the United States Championship. There you go. We turned NWO, uh, like me and one of my friends turned NWO during a WCW show in Chicago one time. Like, we, <laughs> we're idiots. We went and bought t-shirts, like, one by one, while our other friends just... Our other friend is just sitting there watching the show, and then I can't remember who like came up. Maybe it was I don't know, like uh, literally NWO or whatever. And we turned NWO on our friend, and it was cool because where we had seats, Diamond Dallas Page DDP was running through the crowd. He always used to do that for his entrance. We had a cheap. It was that long ago. Kodak throwaway camera. And we, like, took this picture, and back in the day, you'd have to get it developed. You don't know if it turned out good or not. You get it developed, and it's like, oh, dude, it turned out great. Like, <laughs> so, so we have, a, like, a Kodak picture of DDB, like, looking like he's shoving my friend out of the way, which I guess technically he kind of was. Believe it or not, the Kodak uh, throwaways are making a comeback. Maybe not Kodak, because I don't believe that company's 
around anymore or they've merged uh-huh. with somebody. But the, the, the disposable camera is making a comeback. Get out of here. Like a blast from the past type thing? Yeah, it's a nostalgia trip. It's kind of the, the aesthetic of what those photos looked like and people kind of enjoying the physicality of holding the photo in their hands. Wow, that's kind of cool. I I don't know why you'd want to bring it back, but it is kind of cool that they're doing that. Very nice. Okay, so you guys got bets coming up next. I'm very much looking forward to this, even though I, I can't bet in the state that I'm currently <laughs> in right now. California's just hating on me. I'm just visiting for a couple of days. But Jimmy, Sammy, they get you all set up with your bets tonight and maybe for the weekend. That's on the way. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook. Keep it locked right here, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm Brian No, He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. How about this, Jimmy? I just got a message here from my girl, and she put, Baby, you can't gamble in California, but you can gamble with Jimmy. Do something funny. Just wanted to give you an idea. How about that? How about that? You know... She brings up a good point here. How about this, Jimmy? If we completely disagree, I've got an idea for a high-stakes wager. Okay. If we completely disagree about something, pink hair dye bet. You, a loser dyes their hair pink for two weeks, and then you can switch it up there. But a two-week pink high day, uh, pink uh, hair dye bet, what do you think? Yeah, um, uh, huh? corporate cook is, is here. I apologize. What? I won't do what? that. I'll, 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 I'll buy you I'll do you a 12-pack or a six-pack or, or, or a Coke uh, soft drink pack you're choosing. But yeah, Unbelievable. I don't, no, you, no, no, no touching of the hair face. No, you not, not, and not, not, Eddie yeah. Van Halen Garrison over there, huh? Sorry. You guys are betting like these big numbers. Every I'll now wear and a then. pink shirt every day for two weeks. I'll and do that. you're giving me a Coke bet? Yeah, you serious? Here's here's the great news, Brian, is that you have an idiot behind the board for you today, and I will do a pink hair bet. <laughs> Boom! There we go, Sam, my man. If we completely disagree, we're going to put this in action over here. Well, there okay? is one that Sam's probably going to disagree with you on that's very juicy. I don't know if he's going to make that the pink hair bet Uh-oh. or not, but, but we will see. Let's we'll get see. into it, Sam. If you could give us the little official intro, if you would. To- that's a- yeah. The Jay Cook Plays of the Day. This is me, all right? I'm not a athlete. This is my play. This is how I win. Today's Plays of the Day. We'll start first with tonight's slate in college hoops. I'm going to scoop the 10 on the Princeton Tigers tonight against Creighton right Ooh. off the bat in uh-huh. the evening session of games. Going to lay the seven with Alabama tonight against San Diego State. Going to lay the four with Texas tonight. Texas is a live bet watch. It's at minus 190 right mm. now. A little too juicy for me, or a little too not juicy enough, rather, for the money line. If that gets into minus 110 or plus money, take Texas as well. Also going to go with Miami plus eight. Eddie Garrison's not here to yell at me. It's plus seven and a half right now. I'm paying for <laughs> that. I'm going plus eight for for that matchup as well. And then for Saturday, I can't make up my mind yet on Kansas State and FAU. So I'm going to stick with UConn on the money line over Gonzaga. Minus 135 juice there. Six and seven for the week. One and two yesterday. Sam, what do you got? Do I keep the music up for me? Do I qualify for music? You do. Go ahead. Go ahead. One pick real fast. What do you got, Sam? My my, uh, daring bet is going to be Princeton over Creighton. And I'm actually going to take it minus three and a half. My pink hair bet is going to be Xavier over Texas. I can't because I got Xavier in the final four. I'm rooting for Xavier, you know? We'll find another opportunity here, Sam, for sure. For sure. We'll get that in. Coming up next, JMV. Enjoy the games tonight. Have a great weekend. We'll catch you soon.